Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and welcome to 2020. This is a conversation with Dave Armstrong. He is a Wellington-based writer. I'm calling him a writer. He's a columnist, a comedy writer, a playwright. Uh, he's a journalist of sorts in that, in that he does the columns and he also wrote a political book. Um, he's, he's a writer for hire. You find his work all through television and film uh, in New Zealand. And uh, he's also a musician. He's a trumpet player. He's a classically trained trumpet player, but he also played in um, a bunch. We talk about it, about this a wee bit in this conversation. He played in uh, bands like the Holiday Makers, the Hulaman, uh, the Pelicans. He played in some cool New Zealand 80s bands. And he was, again, a kind of jobbing musician. He was not always a full-time member of the bands. He was the guy for hire that would turn up and learn the horn part and play it. I had never met um, Dave until just a few months ago. Uh, he'd been on my list to talk to for the podcast for a while because, you know, he co-created and co-written a lot of great comedy work with Danny Mulheron, who I'd talked to a few years ago. And I just, I grew up watching a lot of his work and was interested. But for some reason, I wanted to meet him first and 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 say hello to him at least, which is, which is actually really all I did before we scheduled this podcast. I met him a couple of months ago outside Circa Theatre and I said, you know, we should have a chat for the podcast sometime. And he said, yeah, let's do it for January because I've got a, you know, classic writer with something to plug. He said, I've got a, I've got a show coming up. Well, that show's on now at Circa Theatre. It's a political satire comedy called The Surprise Party. So I'll have a link in the, in the notes for the information there. But uh, yeah, Dave came round at the towards the end of 2019 and sat in my lounge for a couple of hours and we talked about all sorts of things. All of these things I've mentioned that he's been involved uh, with, writing for Shortland Street, writing movies, working on TV shows, classic skits, New Zealand TV comedy, uh, the music. But we also talked about a few things related to that, cancel culture, that terrible Garrett Tremaine comic uh, cartoon strip that everyone hated to do with the uh, Samoan measles epidemic. We talked about that, how stupid and unfunny that was and how things like that blow up and uh, what happens around that. Talked about reviews, reviewing the impact of them. And, uh, and you know, Dave's got lots of stories of writing about politicians and having them ring him up and argue that he got it wrong. Uh, so it was a good chat. I really enjoyed meeting him properly through this conversation. I'm a huge fan of his work. Go and support his work. See the surprise party. Uh, it's bound to be very funny because it's written by Dave Armstrong and he does funny very well and he does politics really well. Super nice guy. Everyone had told me that and I sort of knew that about him through his work. But I can confirm that he is a really nice guy and I thought this was a really nice and really cool chat to have. So enjoy this. This is me and Dave Armstrong talking for ages about many things. I met you very briefly a month or so yeah, ago. So and that is the only time we'd yeah, met. But yeah, I, I've seen, you know, I know who you are and I've seen yeah. you around. I have a, a, a rule, never respond to a reviewer. Yeah. Is that why we've never met? <laughs> no, no, but I don't seek them out. Yeah, and, no, and no, no, someone, nor should you, and, and nor I, should anyone. No, and yeah. I, no, I'm a reviewer too. Yeah, I'm a yeah, columnist. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. I don't expect politicians to ring me out. In fact, yeah. if they ring me up and say, you were nasty about me, I tend to think less of them. If they, you say if they do that, that means they have. Oh, yeah. 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 So does that still oh, happen? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Sometimes a politician will say, um, I'm letting you know because you got something wrong, and I'm absolutely yeah. fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and often I'll run into them, and they'll say, "Oh, how are you doing?" I, I mean, I don't not talk to politicians, mm. but 
I just I don't want to be that person that writes a nasty letter to a re- reviewer. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I tend to, like, um, I've used it as publicity. Bob Jones called me a, a, a lightweight lefty yes, in a pot boiler playwright. <laughs> I love that. So I've used it in publicity because he yeah. can't, he can't. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what he said. On whale oil of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love, I love bad reviews. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't. It's, yeah. I, I love bad reviews if the play's doing well. Yeah. If the play's going through the the floor and no one's coming, and then you get a bad review, it's not so much fun. Well, I've reviewed you once. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I wrote about Central. You wrote a really nice review. Did I? And it was really intelligent, and it made no difference whatsoever yeah. to the box office. And that's exactly... And I love that about reviewers. <laughs> yeah, is yeah. You, you get a show that does brilliantly at the box office, and people hate it. And then you get shows mm. that the cognoscenti, the reviewers love, mm. and no one comes. Mm. And I, I'm, there's also good shows that get yeah, yeah. well-reviewed and good audiences, and yeah. there's bad shows that get badly reviewed. Yeah, we but I never... Bl- I, don't think, I don't think there's any reviewer in town that can ruin a ruin a show oh not if, not if, somewhere like here if you li- and I mean yeah. even reviewers agree with yeah. me if you listen to a re- reviewer you're stupid you know yeah. if you say oh yeah. I'm not going to that because Simon Sweetman didn't yeah, like oh, it totally. you're, you're stupid or oh it's going to be a good night because Simon liked it well sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's true of me too as, yeah, a, as, no, a, totally. as a critic I yeah just, you absolutely know, no I get people saying um, you know I, you, well I used to get a lot of people saying I'll always go and check stuff out if you've said it was good and I think you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I mean, right, you know, that that's nice or whatever, but, yeah, yeah. man, you can't yeah. be telling me you actually follow it to the letter like that. No, they that, do. That's, that's right. ridiculous. So, sometimes it's not so much. Yeah. I, I think how reviewers help is that it's not so much that they say something's good, they just tell you there's something going on. Mm. And, and yeah, yeah. You know, you like a musician and someone says, yeah. oh, you know, you, you know this that person's that formed person. a new yeah, band. Yeah, and you yeah, go, yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah I, I, I. Totally. I, the, the so, use, where did it. Because it's interesting you talking about um, things not making a difference to the box office. When, when do you think that started to happen? Because the whole, as I understand it, reviewing some music particularly, it was never about like advertising it. It was, I mean, it, when yeah. proper critical reviewing came into yeah. place, it was passionate people yeah. sharing their ideas about stuff. Yeah. I, I think when you had. When you, did it get co opted into marketing? Oh well, yeah. Well, people. You know. I mean, you know, uh, I I use good reviews. I yeah. use bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. Um, if well, if you, someone gives yeah. me a rave review, I will use it. However, you don't take yourself to. And you're right. It's mm. a piece of marketing. Mm. Um, and you know, publicists know to put dot 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 in mm. between a review, which means they're bad stuff or they're not the so bad, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know. I used to see mine. Um, you know, I used to notice that about mine. Oh, yeah. hang on, you've actually. Yeah. Pulled the bit. Yeah, for, for someone. Yeah, for someone who should know a lot better. Dave Armstrong was mildly entertaining, and it just got dot dot dot. Dave Armstrong was dot 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 entertaining. Uh, Simon Sweetman. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so yeah, that's a bit of a exactly, trick. exactly. So all right. Well, where did you where did you come from? Are you a Wellingtonian? I am born and bred in Wellington. Yeah, I went to Brooklyn were. School and Wellington yeah. High School. Yeah, I studied here at university, Victoria University, yeah. and did a music degree, a degree in trumpet playing. And a, a degree in music history. Hmm. And then I went overseas for a year and lived um, in Switzerland and uh, LA, well, Santa Barbara, where hmm. I studied trumpet. 
and I also had a year working on Shortland Street and television. Mm. But apart from that, whole life in Wellington. Mm. And so, what were you? What was happening for you as a kid? You're a music. You're into the trumpet. You're a classical. You're studying I, classical. I, I was into everything yeah. as a kid. So um, I was into sport in a big way. Still play um, football when I can. Soccer. Um, I was into reading quite a lot and talking. I was quite interested in politics. So I. I edited the school magazine mm. um, when I was at school. And, yeah, music was probably... I think one of the reasons I really liked music was um, I it got me out of... Well, you know, it got me to music schools mm-hmm. and, and things like that. I loved playing in orchestras. It was sociable. Mm. Um, I think if I'd gone to a different school, I would have done more sport. And I'm actually really grateful I didn't because sport's a great leisure thing. But mm. I'd, I, was, I was sort of in that group that I might have got into a first 11 cricket or soccer if I'd gone to a real sports school but at high school we just we did other things that were actually far more interesting so, mm, mm, mm. so I sort of ch- and my, my parents were very into the arts dad was um, and dad was very political so I had quite an interest in politics from a very I, I mean I'm such a nerd I can remember Norman Kirk getting elected no I can I think I can remember Norman Kirk uh, sorry I can remember Muldoon getting elected 75 mm, mm. I was 14 and I can Sort of remember Tom McGuigan losing Littleton, which is really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. Uh, and, and uh, you know, people name it's like quiz questions. Yeah, yeah. Colleen Jews. Oh, she beat Tom McGuigan Littleton. <laughs> and people go, How old were you then? I'm oh, 14. What a, you know, what a, yeah, well, yeah. I didn't have a girlfriend, did I? I was, a, you know. I mean, that, that's the that, that's the thing, I guess. People are still like that now, but pre internet, particularly, you had yep. your things, you, you really. I remember being like obsessed with capital cities of countries. Yeah, yeah, and I knew. Yeah, I felt like I knew all of them. And if you and it started from the nineteen eighty six soccer world cup. Yeah, yeah. Primary school. Yeah. Learning the um. Yeah. You know, however many teams were in that, learning those, and I just kind of kept going on my own. (laughs) And and in those pre Google days, in a school they go, oh, ask Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's our he's our capital city expert. Yeah, and people, I I remember at school, you know, people would ask me like, oh, who who was the MP for so and so or something. And, and, and I just know it. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it, it was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those days are gone now. You don't oh, yeah. need to. You don't need to. So you don't retain. There's certain things you do if you're, you know, a train spotter on a subject. Yeah. Like, I barely listen to Lou Reed these days, but I still know all my yeah. stuff that I read yeah. up about her yeah. and people like that. But, yeah. yeah, you just don't need to bother as much, do you? No, although I think being a train spotter, in a way, is can be helpful for a writer. Because mm. you can sort of mm. apply yourself to a different train yeah, and, yeah. and write about it and, yeah. and retain it. Yeah. 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 So you were interested in all these things. Yeah. I, and oh, my, my parents took me to plays. Mm. Um, That's was, what I was going to ask is how yeah. did that come in? I, I went to, actually, I went to children's theatre classes, which mm. were great because being Wellington, it was quite liberal and they didn't believe in you know giving you a script. Mm. They made you improvise and make stuff up. Mm. So I did a lot of improvisation, which I think is the basis of any good writer mm-hmm. um, you've got to be able to because all to riff all, yeah riff exactly all writing really is 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 improvising and then notating it mm-hmm. just like that's what music is too mm-hmm. unless you mm-hmm. just improvise on the spot but but so um, I would sort of think think up stuff and, and I had terrible handwriting um, so people and pretty bad spelling so I'd never think of being a writer, but mm. I'd say stuff that was funny or, or good. Mm. And I had a wonderful English teacher at high school, who Nola Fox, who sort of noticed me and said, you, you need to write more. 
and and you that name's to far it. too good for an English teacher. Nola Fox. Yeah. Oh no, she was great. It's like she a was cabaret great. singer or something. Yeah, no, she was a. It, when I knew her, she was a like fifty something grey haired, yeah, sort of older lady. But God, she was, she you know she taught a satire. She was withering. You, yeah, yeah, like she was the only teacher. I was I wasn't scared of her, but I just didn't want to let her down. Mm, so she mm. said, "Can you rewrite that?" Or can you were you do kind that? of an awe of her. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And actually, I remember at the school social these really big guys who'd left um, who'd left school two years ago who were hanging out with gangs or something, and mm. they'd turn up and she'd come out and they'd go, hello, Mrs Fox, how are you? And they'd really <laughs> liked it. And yet the authoritarian teachers had no real kudos mm. at all. But she was not authoritarian. She was a really a, a liberal. She gave me an A um, because I did a satire. She read Jonathan Swift's um, Rules for Servants as satire because he, you know, he didn't like his servants. Mm-hmm. And so he made, he made these nasty jokes about, oh, always make sure that if the master rings, be three minutes late. Don't come straight away. And I wrote rules for English teachers. If the New Statesman doesn't give a movie a good review, don't go. Mm. And really pretentious but funny. Um, you know, no English... The, 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 the creed of English teachers is never drink instant coffee. You must <laughs> sit in the staff room with your English teacher mates and drink real coffee. Mm. And, and she came, like, holding it up saying, this is what wonderful, and she mm. read it out to the class because she mm. liked it so much. And, and that was very like my father, who, who was actually a mate of, of her late husband's. Um, Dad loved taking the piss. He loved people making jokes about him and of... He encouraged us almost Did to... Did you recycle any of that stuff for Gormsby? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gormsby was my entire secondary school. Yeah, yeah. Danny's. Yeah, I mean, Danny yeah. and I met... Danny yeah, and I so that was my right. next question, was yeah. when did you guys meet? Oh, well, <laughs> in 1943... Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Dad, my father played the piano, and Danny's grandfather, Rickard, played the piano. Mm. So, you know, in, in Wellington, a bit of a cultural desert in the 1940s, mm. um, Dad used to go and play Beethoven symphonies, his piano duets. Mm. Not... Perhaps not knowing, or maybe he knew that this guy was an amazing composer. You know, was a, he was considered a. Mm-mm. Had it not been for his Jewishness, mm. he could have succeeded very well in in Germany. Um, so they played, and so uh, Dad knew um, Danny's mother, and there was a whole crowd of them. And then he met my mother, and then they were, and we grew up sort of knowing the families. But mm. I I remember I distinctly. We lived in Brooklyn and, and Danny lived in Crory, so we didn't see that much of each other. But I think they came around when I was nine or 11 or something. And, and mm. Danny says, All I can remember is you told a really bad joke, which is <laughs> highly likely. Yeah. And then we both <laughs> failed to get into a, um, a, a play at Unity because we were too big or too small, I can't even mm. remember. And, mm. um, you know, when you have setbacks, um, we had a, a Danny and I worked on a movie that you know we thought would get funding and it was all there and then it didn't happen and it's sort of like the next day I was working on something else and he was too mm. and it was like not getting a role at Unity when you're nine you, know, mm, you just mm. don't care mm, um, mm. so so yeah and and but we went through this extraordinary education at high school and with characters like the major who who became really Gormsby yeah yeah um, and all the minor not all the minor players but yeah, some. Yeah. And so we just, when we wrote the show, we just said things like, you know, oh, I remember Mr. So-and-so. Oh, yeah, let's, you know, let's do him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the yeah. school was a liberal school, but it had old school attached. And mm. so it had teachers that were liberal to a fault, mm. and it had very authoritarian teachers. And so that mm. melting pot was, was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, we made stuff up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you're, now we're going to jump around a little bit because yep. because 
you know, I've, I've been aware of your name and your work for a long time, and you've done a lot of different things. Yeah. So, but let's go, let's go back it's to... called work. Jack of All Trades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you're a very good, a very good, uh, you're a master of all trades, aren't you, as well? You're a master of some. Master of some. That's, you know, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. So... Um, Moderately competent of some. <laughs> where did you... Um, when do you, what's the first sort of step out of school? So that you're still doing the music thing. Yeah, there. I really wanted to become a, trump, a yeah. classical trumpet player yeah. um, and, and really enjoyed it and left school uh, after the seventh form, went to Victoria University, mm. not good enough to get into performance um, on the trumpet, so studied um, quite musical, uh, general things, um, mm. did drama studies in my second year with Phil Munn and David Carnegie, mm. Mm. and that was really good fun and... Um, Quite a few people that are still around, like Carmel McGlone and Kathy mm. McRae and Michelle mm. Scullion, musician, were, were all there. Um, so that was quite formative. And really, I just um, I, I played the trumpet. I I taught uh, music uh, to make money. I rode my motorbike around and got involved in the Springbok tour protests and did some bad street theatre for that. And <laughs> and then uh, uh, Danny Mulheron was at drama school, so he and I started writing sketches. Because mm, mm. it's funny. I mean, I guess I guess it's w- when you're part of a a little club or whatever, then you're aware of each other, and that's that. But I'm always amazed that you know, because it was before my time. But like late seventies and through the eighties, even yep. into the early nineties, there's quite a lot of you in Wellington yep. that are all still, you know, all those names you just mentioned, for example, yep. that are all still basically involved in the arts one way or another. Oh, absolutely. Just and major lifers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that have achieved too, yeah, like, yeah, you know, that yeah. are doing good work. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I suppose you... I mean, I don't mean this in a, in a sort of wanky way, but they're genuine articles. Mm-hmm. They're people you meet when you're 20, mm. and they're good, and they apply themselves, and so they make a living, or they, they do things. And I, I could tell... I, I mean, there were also fly-by-nighters who came in and... Then, yeah. you know, and in politics too, there were people, and, yeah, and you yeah. know, all, all sorts of people. And it's interesting. Um, what was also interesting is they weren't always the ones people talked about. Mm-mm. You know, that 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 there would. I, I remember. I mean, I'm I'm much older, um, but there, there was. You know, I think I taught a guy music, and he said, "Oh, do you know this guy John Campbell?" And I said. No. Oh, he's this guy that hangs around radioactive. Yeah, yeah. That's how he described him. This guy yeah. that hangs around radioactive. Yeah. He went so it's not like and he wasn't really sort of adulating him, he was just saying, Oh, he's a smart, nice guy. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and so you often have people that you're not um they're not considered a big deal at the time, but they go on and do amazing things. Yeah, yeah. And then other, or you spot the ones that, Yeah. Or yeah. and sometimes you have people and they all go, Oh my god, so and so's so fantastic, and they end up being nothing special, and yeah. you go, oh yeah, uh, overrated. I remember I met I went I went through university with Patrick Gow, and I met him. Yeah, yeah. Met him on the very first day. We we're yep. in the same hostel, and I can't. I think several people said this, but basically by the end of that first year of uni, and this is twenty five yep. years ago, um, people were like. He's going to be the next Paul Holmes, John Campbell. Yeah, yeah, He's going to yeah, have, you know, yeah, and yeah. look how close he is to, yeah, 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 to doing yeah, that. Yeah, you know, no, like, the, yeah, yeah. You know that that sort of format doesn't work anymore. That's he won't yeah. possibly won't have that show on his yeah. own. But he's doing the documentaries now. So that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's that version of it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know oh, you can often tell. Mm. One thing that I can absolutely say truthfully is that there was a cool crowd. In, mm. in Wellington in the 70s and 80s and mm. I was definitely not part of it. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I had no... You know, I'd wear bloody pinstripe 
trousers with cowboy boots and a purple skiver. You know, I had no fashion sense and I was not... And That's I was, just ahead of your time, I think. No, <laughs> I was acutely aware of the cool crowd. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I was definitely not part of it. Mm. And... And, well, and, that's good, isn't it? Cause that, well, at the time, that, at the time, of whatever. Yeah. But that's that that accounts for your longevity. Yeah, <laughs> at, at the time, I didn't. And, and George Webby, actually, Danny, I remember mm. saying George Webby said to his students on graduating, "Never follow fashion. Mm. The biggest thing you can do is be fashion. The worst thing you can do is be fashionable." Mm. And I couldn't agree more. And and so I was, uh, I was never part. And I was the youngest child, so I spent a long time, a lot of time by myself. So I think that. Um, being on the outer is, is quite good for a writer because mm. I'd observe people. And um, I'd also, you know, Saturday night at home, I'd listen to bloody the right of Spring on my mm. record player and mm. read Dostoevsky, you know. So, so <laughs> if, if I'd had the chance to go to a party or hang yeah. out with the cool crowd, I would have, but I just didn't. Yeah, so it yeah. was sort of an education by default at times. Mm-mm. So you move somehow into playing rock music. Yeah. How does that happen? I was a classical trumpet player, yeah. and I went to school with Andrew Clouston at high school, and he got expelled. It's very hard to get expelled from Wellington High School, <laughs> especially back then. It's probably quite easy now because it's mm. DSL 9. But it was and, – and anyway, Andrew, uh, who was an extremely talented uh, sax player, mm. he got expelled. But I, uh, I'd been at school with his older brother, Matthew, and, and he got in touch. He said, Do you he knew I played the trumpet. You want to mm. come and play in a band? And I said, sure. And it was made mainly of Onslow College students. Um, and I turned up and they need, needed a trumpet. And I loved it because they all played by memory, which I didn't do. And I learned to play mm. by ear. Mm. Um, whereas I'd been, I, I, when I first turned up, I said, where's the music? And they just laughed. And they said, learn it. And, and so I learned sort of how to play in a band. Mm. Um, and that led to playing in, uh, after the rodents, I played in um, the hula men. Uh, and then I played in um, the Pelicans, and then I played in the Holiday Makers, mm. and then toured um, with bands like Neighbours and the Jive Bombers when they needed a trumpet, or their normal trumpet player couldn't do it. So it was mm. quite a, uh, it was quite neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who did Pakaranga Girl? Was that the who? No, that was, that was no, no, that, that was, was um, Economic Wizards. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. It's all that same. But they were, it's all it's part of the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the, the um, it's an out eel man, the yeah, eel man right. label. They're yeah. sort of like a family, so we used to yeah. go and watch them, or they'd play on the same bill as us. Oh, yeah, so like, we all sort of knew each other. It was about ninety nine or two thousand that yeah. CD came out, Eel Man's yeah. Greatest Hits. That that's, was that's right, a revelation to me. Yeah, yeah, because you know. I really probably only knew a couple of the bands. Yeah, yeah, but that was like a sampler. Yeah, and now all the stuff's actually on Spotify and yeah, yeah. Just, well, I've just recently, I've, yeah, yeah, I've listened to them for the first time. Yeah, in thirty years. It's yeah. been amazing. No, I thought that sort of a lot of that stuff really stands up. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, um, Pelican's material is great. Oh well, Bill Bill is such a good songwriter. Yeah. Arthur Baster is such yes. a good songwriter. Yes. Um, and uh, no, those guys. I, that's what I loved about playing Crazy these bands. Legs. Is that, yeah, it was such good music. Yeah. And, and the lyrics, Banana Dominion. Mm. You know, it's mm. it's sort of like um, I'd be proud writing something like that today. You know, mm. uh, it's it's such a good political. Yeah. Oh, I've often, yeah. you know, playing records at bars, I've often played things like um, Crazy Legs and yeah. have people come up and go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Or, you know, I vaguely remember this, but what is it? You know, yeah. but even other people, younger people yeah. going, you know, when, when was this song around? Well, cra- you know? Crazy Legs, I remember because it was so hard to learn. Mm. Well, I didn't write the horn riffs, I think Chris Green did, but uh, they were so hard to play. Yeah. But you listen to the whole so- song and it gets into this very New York-y sort of weird yeah. harmonies. And So as a 
classical music score. I can I remember hearing that and just going, wow. But it's is... also got a bit of that kind of Hello Sailor swagger about yeah, it too, yeah. hasn't it? You know, yeah, well, like... all those, I mean, all those bands, mm. um, the, the Eel Men sort mm. of bands, they idolised Hello Sailor. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they just thought they were... Because they were cool. Yeah. And, and <laughs> they were New Zealand's cool. They were guys, the cool, they? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but accessibly cool in that, yeah. in that you could see them, you could meet them, yeah. you could watch them and hear them, but they were fucking cool. Oh, they, yeah. yeah. To a point of being obnoxious and arrogant. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were sort of our Rolling Stones or whatever yeah, yeah. in terms of that... Bad boy, bad boy coolness. Yeah, yeah. And, and and but I sort of didn't have a lot of time. I was busy listening to classical music, mm. but I, I didn't have that much time for them. But when I sort of revisited them and listened to all this stuff, mm. wonderful songwriters mm, and, mm. and just fantastic, mm. um, fantastic band. Yeah, and they kind of actually managed to grow old quite gracefully with their, you know, yeah. and obviously robbed of a few years. The couple of the guys in the band, but they, I thought their sort of last album they did as a band was just a great piece of yeah. mature songwriting. Oh, absolutely. I just, th- I so sad reading the history of New Zealand mm. bands because, and I've been overseas with theatre groups and things like that, and I think there's a real thing that happens in New Zealand where, where groups, and this applies to, to not just music, they're on the verge of making it big and they, they, they muck it up. Mm. But the reason they muck it up isn't bad luck it's actually they want to it's like a death wish mm. I think they're too scared of, they're scared of succeeding yeah and they're scared of having to do the hard work they're scared of being found out you know and I yeah, remember yeah. Um, Brian Sargent the actor I worked with saying get good before you get famous because it's too late once you get well known mm-hmm. yeah. and that was a, it was absolutely true that, that and I think there's a real inferiority complex a lot of our bands um Oh, you know, they went to do a big gig before LA producers and someone was out of it. Well, mm. that's actually a conscious decision. It's not mm. an accident. Mm. You don't accidentally get out of it um, for the biggest gig of your yeah, life. You want to it's escape. a conscious, yeah. It's a conscious decision to fail, mm. and I've seen it time and time again. Mm. It's a it's a fear of success, which I think is, I don't think it's uniquely New Zealand, but I think it's a really interesting thing to look at. Mm. Yeah, I get what you mean exactly in terms of it's sort of that, especially the. The period we're talking, like, there was no way of getting beyond New Zealand yeah. unless you yeah. were super lucky. Yeah. Now you can do that through yeah. through the connectedness of the world and your own tenacity. Yeah. And you didn't have those options back then. No, they're, they're yeah. trying. Yeah, yeah. Trying. So the holiday makers have a yeah. massive hit. Now yeah. you you weren't on that. And I didn't plan it. <laughs> so I was the sort of session guy. Yeah. I, I was I was uh, I wasn't too cool to turn up all the time. I yeah. was too busy. I was yeah. I was a first year school teacher teaching maths at all places while I was in high school because I didn't own a car. Mm. I had a massive overseas debt to pay because I'd gone studying for a year mm. and I had started writing for television. And so I had this really three time three full time jobs in one year. So I was I'd finish teaching at school at 3.30, race to the airport, fly to um, uh, <laughs> Auckland, do the glue pot to 800 a night, <laughs> um, play a cowbell during Sweet Lovers that was the only song everyone was there for, really, yeah, yeah. and then um, go, go home again. And then in the school holidays, we did a tour, um, you know, which I could do. So it was hilarious. That's and, amazing. And, uh, but I loved it. But and that, that was, was a massive hit. And oh, I, it was massive. It was years it, before yeah. I found out that it was a Bill Withers song. Yeah, it's a, it's a cover. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you know. I think the Holiday Makers version is better. I do too. I yeah, love yeah. Bill Withers, yeah. but when I finally heard yeah. 
his version and the yeah. album that came off like yeah. that's, that's right at the end of his recording career yeah. and, and what was amazing about Sweet Lovers from my point of view being totally anonymous and, mm. and uh, you know nothing to and I, if we turn up to a record shop they'd sort of go who's that guy what's he doing mm-hmm. um, but um, the, the the thing about it was it's pacificness yes. and I don't think that was acknowledged at the time yeah, but if yeah. you look back it was the first Adi Jar, I think were later who were fantastic yeah. but I think it was the first real commercial hit that had brown people. Yeah. Well, not Maori, but but Pacific yes. people. Yeah, yeah. You had Pati Umanga on the base. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, who was driving that band? Like, who were the main people? Do you? Oh yeah, I can who remember. Was well, it? John McDougall was the songwriter. Yeah, yeah. And he he drove a lot of it. Yeah. Um, as did Barbara Griffin, who's yeah. now I think teaching in in uh, Australia, who's a, a like me classically trained, mm, a mm. phenomenally good keyboard player. And then you had Mara Finau, mm. who's now a uh, film editor, who was, and Peter Marshall. Now, Peter's part someone, mm. Mara's someone, and Pati Umanga were. So you sort of had, it was like bringing in a, a Samoan rhythm section almost mm, with, mm. With, um, with a um, sort of Palangi other, other members. So it was mm. a really interesting um, uh, combination, mm, mm. And, and it seemed to work. Well, it's interesting because there was. There's all these like classic covers from that era that Kiwi bands did that yep. they did well because I guess that's basically Holiday Makers is sitting right alongside Cats Away doing Melting Pot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And just a little before that is yeah. Sunny Day doing Saving Up, which yeah. is a Springsteen song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing about uh, which was really smart, and you see, I had nothing. I'd just turn up. Mm. I wouldn't be at the songwriting session, so I, I was just too busy. Mm. I'd just turn up and say, "What notes do I play?" and do it. So I was totally like a session player. Mm. I, I really had no, to be really honest, mm-hmm. I had no interest in the creative mm. process uh, yeah, of yeah, the band. Just, I was just, just a hired hand. Hired hand. And I think, I, you know, I wasn't a true member. I just played when they needed yeah, the yeah. trumpet sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, but I think with Sweet Lovers, the other thing was the love duet. Yes. That you had Mara and Peter. And oh, yeah. I every 10-year-old... I've, I've, got, I've yeah. got the video in my mind what yeah. we're talking about. And they're just... Because totally it was number one in New Zealand for... Oh, it was, it was a long time. Weeks and weeks. And I, yeah, yeah. I remember going to places like Tokoroa and Fakatane and just seeing these 10-year-old girls, Māori Pacific mm. mainly, just staring at Peter and Mara. And it was sort of like, I want, I want to end up like them. Mm. I want to have a lovely... Um, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend like that. You know, and it was it was quite and, sweet. It was very innocent. And, yeah. And the n- number of people that got married to it. And, and you like mentioned Adijar, and of course yeah. they're still going and still doing it yeah. on some level. But they kind of carried on that 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 yeah. thing too, that yeah. love story with yeah. some of their duets, like yeah. the two members singing to yeah, Ryan and Betty, yeah, 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 who yeah. are a couple yeah. singing to each other. Yeah, and it was yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. so I, I mean. It's easy now to go, oh, yeah, of course Pacifica people are part of the scene. And, but mm, back then mm, it was sort of weird. Mm. And, and, well, not weird, but new. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was different. And um, so, so for me, too, that was, I think, very influential. I'd, mm. I'd grown up next door to a Pacific Island family, a New Island family, um, and then hanging out with people like Mara and Patti, it was quite influential. And stuff I ended up doing, mm, mm, um, mm. Uh, you know, working with Oscar Kitely, uh, Naked Summons, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, let's go back to when you said, um, and then I, I got my first job working writing in TV. So, yep. how did that happen? Um, it happened because my and mate. Why did you want that to happen? I well, I don't think any. I, it's funny you say that. I mm. didn't want it to happen, but it happened, and it was an opportunity. Mm. If if someone you know walked in the door and, and said. Um, 
will you do this? You know, will you write this? Will you write a series about New Zealand in the 1930s? If it sounded interesting, I'd go, okay. Yes, I will, because I'm and, a jack of all trades. Yeah. And, and <laughs> That's the, what you're saying. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm a generalist. Mm. I like doing different things. I, I get bored easily. I have terrible concentration. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, I do like doing different projects. But um, uh, I suppose there was this myth, mythic paycheck that Danny Mulheron got for a show called Public Eye, which is a mm. satirical puppet show. And I really love satire. I mm-hmm. mean, I just love satire. And um, and Danny was freelance. And he, he Dave Gibson, the, the producer of Public Eye, he didn't pay, he like, the, the rule then was you paid a writer a living, a wage, quite a good wage, mm. to write jokes all week. And he went, bugger this, I'm going to write, I'm going to pay $400 a minute. So if you wrote a two-minute sketch... In five minutes, you were eight hundred dollars richer if it got made. Hmm. And we learned very early on that it was tenacity and application, not not humour, that, that got sketches made. Hmm. So we would turn up to these meetings, and I, I did. And Danny just made a whole lot of money, and and he because he just turned up and wrote the, wrote, the Woody Allen quotes. Yeah, and he was funny. And but, and, but I mean, you know, yeah. like the eighty percent of success is turning up. And, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And in his case, he was the only one doing that. He and I, and I had I had a. Because I hadn't been in the cool crowd, I, I have to admit, I had a phobia about television that was a bit unjustified. Mm. And I, I thought, I don't want to turn up and meet all those TV anchors. <laughs> I don't want to be in a room telling gags. You know, I'm not yeah. like that. So Danny and I wrote, wrote um, separate. Well, we wrote together, but away from everyone else. And lo and behold, all these sketches started getting made. And mm. so there was one I wrote. Um, Roger Douglas and, and Ruth Richardson were in bed together. And it was sort of a S&M thing, and and the punchline was "Do to me what you've done to the provinces," and it was, it was quite, it was quite sort of political. It was really saying um, that Ruth Richardson and Roger Douglas were identical, and mm. not a lot of people were saying that. And we had one channel, two channels then. Um, I heard people the next day talking about it, and the you know not I didn't know who I was. I just heard it, and I, I realised the power of mm. being in a column or being in a newspaper that's read the next day or being on TV. Um, and so, and I loved the politics, uh, and I loved the political satire. It was a Labour government, and so I, I did that, and I sort of got bitten by the bug, and really after that, TV led to more TV. And in mm. those days, Wellington had a TV industry. <laughs> it was quite strong, whereas yeah. now it's much less prominent. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I could make a living. Over the next five years, maybe, I, I didn't make a full-time living. I'd go off and teach now and again, but I could sort of make a living um, writing television. And then that got me into playwriting um, and the various Gibson Group iterations ended up with skits mm. and the Samises which I co-created um, with and, and then you had Dave Farnay, Oscar Kiteley, Jermaine Clement you had you know mm. heavy hitters mm. Carl Wilson mm. Mm. Um, which Danny Mulheron directed so you had you know you had heavy mm. hitters um, in the in the in the cast and and a whole lot of bunch of writers. Pip Hall is doing fantastic mm. uh, TV work now. So it was a yeah, it was quite a cool cool time. And I I don't think I'd written a I'd written kids plays, but I hadn't actually written a play till then. Mm. And so mm. I just um, I was that I was sort of more experienced as a TV writer than a than a playwright. And they're uh, connected, obviously, but yeah. they are very different. Very different, yes, yeah. yeah. no doubt. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. And but it wouldn't have been possible to write New Zealand, the play I wrote with Oscar Kiteley, mm. had we both not worked on um, uh, skits together. Because because mm. I said Oscar, you know, let's write a play, 
And he went, what do you mean? I said, about growing up, you know, next... Because he, he'd tell me these stories about Palangi families that would be the exact opposite of my story. Yes, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. They were the same, but he was the yeah. different character. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I'd say, oh, that happened with our neighbours. And I said, make a great plan. He said, if you get the funding, <laughs> I'll write it. And I didn't think I'd get the funding if it was just a white guy writing about it. Mm. So I needed Oscar to get the funding. And Oscar wouldn't have written it by himself, but he had me pushing him. And so we got the funding and we wrote it together in one weekend, basically. And um, because we're so busy doing other things, he'd mm. moved to Auckland. Mm. Um, I mean, the... The genesis of it was in was in a, a weekend. We did a lot of cleaning up and, and stuff. But that's not the very first play you do. Well, it's it sort first, of is the first. Yeah, I'd, I'd done a couple of schools plays, but yeah. they're uh, uh, kids plays. They're adaptations. I'd mm. done, uh, I'd done a very uh, sort of New Zealand version of of Christmas Carol. But no, it was it was the first sort of play I wrote that I that I was involved with the whole story and not adapting someone else's work. Mm. Um, mm. And and actually, it was because it was autobiographical for both of us. It was easier than writing a real play because <laughs> mm. yeah. all we did is yeah. found episodes in our life um, and, and wrote them down. Yeah, and, translated them. And to... Oscar with a Zumba play. It's a true story. Me with my parents taking mm. um, my mate out to to a to a place and him catching a trout. True story. So um, a lot of it was true. Was it harder to accept? tough reviews of something like that because it was your life or did you do so well with it that you didn't need to contemplate oh, that well I, I, it was really well reviewed yeah I, um, that's, that's my memory of it and that's the, the uh, New Zealand's a horrible place to be a writer of a second <laughs> play or a second novel or a second album mm. because I think what we do is we heap praise on people that do something new we heap too much praise on them. Yeah. We're too nice. We just, instead of going, yeah, it's a pretty good first effort for, for someone this age or this, someone just out of, you know, university, we go, oh, my God, how fantastic. This is, they're the, you know, and, and the number of reviewers that say that the way they praise a writer is to say, watch out, so-and-so. You, you know, yeah, so, yeah. so if I had a success, uh, someone would say to me, watch out, Roger Hall. And I'd go, Roger is amazing. He's helped me so much. I like him. We talk all the time. We keep in touch. We make jokes about success. He always he calls me um, he calls himself Pablo's father. If if I have a play that's successful, <laughs> you know, and and and, I, and then of course people now go, oh, watch out, Dave. I'm, you know, oh, and it's yeah. like it's not a competition, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd love every theatre in New Zealand to have works by New Zealand playwrights every every time, you know, and all to be successful. That that would be a win-win. Mm. I'm like the dentist that wants everyone to have good teeth, you know. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, but we live in such... It's sport, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, Kieran Reid's got an injury. Who's going to be number eight? And the arts, unfortunately, have that mentality. Yes, yes, we put we put a person into a position. Yeah. And they yeah. are... Yeah. yeah. We want them to be it, and you know, and it's, mm. it's sort of not very artistic. Yeah, I don't know why... That is the case, but yep. it's sort of, yeah, it's like, it's, you know, you've got a bunch of New Zealand songwriters now coming up. It's irrelevant to compare them to Neil Finn and Dave Dobbin. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely irrelevant. It's just so like different, a, yeah. They don't know, probably, probably they don't know that music. Yeah, yeah. And aren't interested in it. Yeah. And, and why should they be? Absolutely. And that doesn't belittle these no. living legends that have done great work. They're a still doing good absolutely. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was delighted to see on the um, 
TVNZ documentary on comedy, mm. the, the tribute that was paid to Billy T. James. Mm. Now, you can look at his stuff on one hand and go, some of it's weak, some of it's racist, mm. uh, against Japanese and many mm. other people, mm. uh, and you can go all of that, and, and it's, uh, what do they call it, hoary humour and stuff, mm. but you can look at it another way and say, oh my God, the most popular person on television in New Zealand well, also you can was look, Māori, and yeah. he, was, he was totally loved by everyone, and yes. he was fantastic. So, so you can have... Well, also you can say... Um, that is, we can cringe about it, but that is 100% realistic of what we, what we, were. we, what we were. That is a mirror yep. to our society as comedy is yep. supposed to be. And, and we're, not, we're not that now. And yeah. that's the absolutely agree. And yeah. The thing is, though... Because um, we made racist jokes at school. Oh, God, I grew because up. Because yeah, we, yeah. you know, because yeah. we didn't contemplate that they were racist. We contemplated that they were funny because yeah. we heard them from our parents and our grandparents it, laughing. Yeah. We heard them from our teachers oh, it, sometimes. It, it, and we made them up. Yeah. And we, it was, you can say it was about the laugh and it was. Yeah. But you apply a level of thinking to it now yep. and go, well, it's racist. Yep. And it's sort of, I think, what we're learning more and more at the moment is it's not really about what you do, is it's about how you react to what you do and how you explain yourself when you need to. You know, you can, <laughs> yeah. I think, don't you? Yeah. You can make mistakes. We, oh, should, yeah. we should be in a position where we're all open to the fact that we do and can make mistakes. Yeah. And then it's how you... Oh, you no, know. I agree. The thing, the thing with... Uh, um, the thing with comedy, especially, and I, I mean, I do other writing that's not mm. comedy, but with comedy, you want to you want to sort of shock people and you want to make people think again. And you, I mean, co- the reason people laugh is it's unexpected. Yes. Now that's no justification for racist humour or anything like that. But but you, the thing that I, I I find it strange is people say to me, "Will that joke offend people, or is that going to?" Fail? I don't know. Mm. I don't. Mm. If I knew, I'd know. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'd be yeah. able to say, but I don't know. And I so don't know how an audience is going to react. So have you had situations where you've had your, some of your past work called up and you've no. been asked to explain no, it? No, I'm not well known enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a bonus. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, you know, I'm not... No, I'm I, just, you described that, I yeah. mean, that political joke that you described, the Ruth Richardson, Roger Douglas one, and yeah. I can sort of see that in my mind and I can yeah. see the style of that from I yeah. remember that show mm. and how perfect that is. Yeah. But nowadays, there would, oh, yeah. you know, that yeah. wouldn't fly, Well, maybe. The, the thing that is... That one possibly would, but... Yeah, the thing is, it's like asking writers, do you, you know, does does uh, Martin Amos, just because he's a writer, mm. I, I, I'm listening to a thing, people talking about him, would he go back and write his first rewrite his first novel? Hmm. Uh, I think it's the Rachel Papers, which yeah, is massive. Yeah, yeah. Would he go rewrite? No, he wouldn't, because it got published. It was massively successful. Um, you know, you can go through. I'm, re- I'm listening to Mark Twain at the moment. Now, mm-hmm. on one hand, mm-hmm. Mark Twain is an incredible liberal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he created uh, Huckleberry Finn, a black character. You know, and mm-hmm. he's amazing anti-slavery. Mm-hmm. On the other, you hear his travel stuff. And it's like, oh, the Syrians are dirty and, I, and these mm, people mm. are dirty and the Russians are evil. And, and it's horrible. But mm. the thing is, that is Mark Twain of, of the time. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I, I, I don't, um, I sort of don't apologise for anything I've done, but I wouldn't necessarily do it now. Revisit it, yeah. I wouldn't, I, and I, I've all, oh, I, I mean, I don't, most of, most of what I've done, the heart of it has been, um, tolerance. Yeah, I don't imagine. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah. I, I'm. Oh no, but I've been accused of. Oh, yes, no, I've been accused of racism, homophobia. There's a have. review of racism, sexism, and homophobia. Thing is your thing. Go and see Lassoud by Dave Armstrong. That, you know, wow. and, um, oh, that's fine. If people take offence, um, 
But and, and would I write a play identical to that now? No. But at the time I wrote it, and pe- and I, I think it's so easy um, to 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 look at even ten years ago through today's lens is quite different. Yeah. Well. So what do you think about things like this, Garrett Tremaine? cartoon of this week oh I think well you know and and obviously there are other examples that have been called up I'm someone that 20 years ago was saying why is um, uh, I I actually started writing a play about the influenza epidemic Mm. because it's why is New Zealand history not taught why there's the fact that we assassinated the leader of the Samoan um, resistance movement why is it that we we killed 25% almost of the Samoan population through arrogance why is New Zealand's terrible colonial record not not acknowledged. Mm, mm. So I'm that guy. But at the same time, I'm the guy that, that helped create the Samesis, which was very laughing. You know, mm. I, I mean, it was performed by Pacific Islanders and stuff, but not everyone was happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm in, uh, you, you know, but I, I just think um, with Gareth Tremaine, Gareth Tremaine, I read it and I was horrified. So that's the first thing. Mm. The other thing is he's got a long list of form. He's yes. got a whole yeah, lot of yeah. really um, yeah. uh, anti uh of racist, sexist stuff. Mm, he's not mm. someone who's who's. And to my know. to my point of it's not what you do, but how you explain yourself. I yeah, I yeah. think he let himself down massively this week yeah. with that. Yeah, like and, a, a yeah. non-apology. A, yeah. a why should I? Yeah. But also a disingenuous. Um, oh, I didn't think it was going to be as big a news as it was. Yeah, it's like hang on, you've worked in newspapers yeah. for fucking years as yeah. a as a political based cartoonist. A- you know a news cycle as well as anyone. Well, I, I know. Don't, yeah. don't treat us like shit. Yeah. You don't mean yeah. that. You yeah. know, like. But I would be a hypocrite if I said I've um, not if I've been squeaky clean that I've never offended yeah, anyone. Yeah, yeah, no, and I've course. made jokes that are inappropriate and stuff. But. Um, well, otherwise you wouldn't yeah. be improving yourself as a joke writer because you yeah, wouldn't yeah. be pushing it any edge. That, that's right. But you at just the same time, down the middle of the road, yeah. right? <laughs> the same time as you, uh, you, there's things you can do. You can ring up your editors, which I have done, and say a few people got really offended. And I, I think it's not the joke. You know, yeah. if it's a great, uh, that's uh, this sounds terrible, but but I think the reason that the Garrett Tremaine thing not only is it offensive, it's not funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if yeah, it had yeah. made me laugh and I'd gone, oh my god, that's funny and it's so naughty. Yes. Um, that's different, but it wasn't funny, and yeah. so I think actually funniness is, uh, you, you know, again on the, on the TV show t- Tom Sainsbury, who I love, mm. um, was mm. talking about. Um, when, He's fantastic. When, when Jacinda Dern's cat died, and he made up that Paula Bennett ran it over, you know, mm. and he said, "I really felt for Jacinda, and I felt for a cat," and in the end, the joke won. And so you know, sometimes I'm on the side of the joke, but I think just to 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 needlessly offend a group that mm. um, are in mourning for yeah, yeah, yeah. more people have died in the Samoan influenza epidemic than got killed at Christchurch Mosque, mm. um, Linwood Mosque, you know, and, and it's still mosques. going, and it's still going, uh, just gross insensitivity. But I'd also say, as someone who sends my column in to my editors, yes. where were the editors? Yeah, yeah. And actually, there is a. As my old English teacher would have said, there is an inexhaustible supply of right-wing um, cartoonists. Mm. It's that's not the point. If you get rid of Garrick Tremaine, you know you can hire another one. Mm. It's the editors that let that happen who are mm. who are responsible. Yeah. You know, I was only taking orders. It's yeah. that it's that mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I don't. I have more. I mean, I, I'm not sympathetic to the cartoonists, but I'm I'm. I think the people that really need to be called to account are the newspaper owners. Mm, yeah, 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 no, totally. Because all they've done at this stage is go, 
you know, have the summer off, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah. You know, you uh, stood down pending a review means yeah. have the summer yeah. off and lay low. Yeah, and and I think that's, you know, it's the people who... Come are, back with some, you know, Treaty of Waitangi shit for us. That's <laughs> basically the subtext, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so like, who, yeah, yeah, no, so, you know, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Which is awful. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. what it'll be. Yeah. Um, so, so when you say, as someone who sends your column and to your editor, how... How are you edited? Oh, well, this is... When I I play sport with a bunch of... Some of them are lefties and, you know, liberals and, and stuff, and some of them called me Fairfax when I first wrote the column because yeah. it was so disgusting that I was writing for an Australian multinational. Yeah, yeah. And having worked in New Zealand state television, mm. I have never been... And I'm not saying this because I'm an arse licker. Um, I've never been censored. Yeah. Occasionally they've said that word, um, that word is, um, we don't, you know, we don't publish wanker, mm. for example. My, the saddest one, because I thought it was a great joke, was when I accused Brian, when the Israel Falau thing was going yeah. on, I accused um, Brian Tamaki of uh, committing falaucio um, <laughs> on Israel. And, and they laughed, but they said, you know, we've got a, we have yeah, a, yeah. we have a standard. And I, I never mind, I never mind being censored if there's a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. And I censor people. Yeah. You know, I say yeah. to people, no, we're not going to put that on, my, uh, on stage or, yeah. you know, I'm a producer, you know, my wife does the work, but yeah, I yeah. help produce plays and stuff. So, so, um, I, I don't, I don't mind, um, and whenever there's a legal problem or a taste, you know, if, if, if a number of people say that's bad taste, um, then I, I, I have no problem. So, mm. so working for a newspaper has been a dream because mm-hmm. I write it on occasion they'll cut, cut ten words because of space Sp- yeah, yeah. or they'll correct my spelling or something. But no, I... No, I, all of that stuff's fine yeah. too, and right? I'm not, you don't... You know, to be you honest, yeah. I'm not one of those writers that, that you changed a word, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, you can't um, be, can you? No. And, they, and, they only exist on TV and in the movies, I Oh, there's think. a few, there's a few. Are there? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. But that, that actually... Well, if, who are they? They're like the big, big... Personality writers can justify doing that. Anyone well, else get told to fuck off, really? Wouldn't well, they? some of them do yeah. get told. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But but there are people like that. But but I I I I mean that's my whole experience as a playwright is if you're in a room with six actors, they'll know more about you than most issues. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll have a good sensitivity, so that you know you you ignore them at your peril. Occasionally they'll say, well, I don't know about that line," and I go, "No, I'm confident it'll 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 fly." Mm. But more often than not. You, you take the, the, what is it, the wisdom of the crowd. Mm. Um, as long as that doesn't cause you to blend it down, I'm, I'm a total believer in that. I feel like playwriting, and I'm, I'm going to say this having never done it, I feel like playwriting would be one of the um, most, um, what am I trying to say, a, a good example of where you do a lot of editing. Oh, yeah. yeah self-editing. Yeah. yeah. As a writer, yeah, you know, yeah. You're, you're refining the whole time, right? Absolutely, yeah. and, and like ten drafts sounds yes. a lot. It's not because yeah. you a play's quite short. I mean, mm. even a two hour long play, yeah, it's it's a hundred twenty pages double space yeah, yeah, or yeah. one point five. So so it's not like yeah, a lot of play yeah. scripts are 40, 50 pages. Yeah, you yeah. can eat it. You can eat it, and you can change the the thing is. Um, you've got to do that frequently, and each process is iterative, and mm. and it's. Um, it's, I find it's very hard writing in isolation. I need to hear it and see it. I almost need a model of where the actors are, you know? So mm. some writers, and I, I take my hat off to them, can, can write a play, they spend hours and hours, and then they present it and it's ready to do. I tend to be someone who 
bashes something together, <laughs> does an edit or two, asks someone what they think, rewrite, turn it up, turn up to a reading or a workshop. I'm a big fan of workshops. And people go, oh, it's I like this, but this guy talks a bit much. And I, and I immediately go, yep, absolutely agree. Then they go, oh, this character is only... They're only functioning in this way. Shouldn't? What if they had some sort of romance with this character? And I, mm. I go, yes, you're right. And they say, you hinted at it. And I go, yes, I did. But you didn't follow it through. Yes. And all I want to do after about two hours is go home and rewrite and come back the next day mm. and, and do that again. And, and that's what I do. That's my process, really. So with, with my play surprise party that's rehearsing and starting um, in a few days, I'll turn up and uh, we've already had a workshop and I'll sit in the rehearsal room for maybe two hours and we'll go through a scene and I'll have all these great ideas that I've got partly just hearing it from me but also coming from the, the actors and the director going, this is great but could we do this or could mm. we try this and I'll, I'll rush home and rewrite and turn up the next day with a new script and say let's try that. And it's not that's not panic, it's just often the, the best way mm. to do it. Well, you can go a bit deeper with that now. What's that? Po- so this is you doing a political satire again? Yep, another one? Yeah, yep. yeah. But returning to it in in yep. terms of your playwriting. Yeah. Um, what's the, wh- the what's the premise? Yeah. Okay. So um, I was going to say what's the hook, but that's yep. basically the same thing. Yeah. In, in there's terms a, there's of a tiny yeah. left wing political party. Yeah. Called Popular Front. They're yep. made up of seven different parties, and they're called the op. Uh, the, uh, they're called the Pops Party. And they, um, they've had one seat in Parliament for about nine years, and they expect to do the same. Maybe get two or possibly even three. Mm. And on election night, they get way more votes. And thanks to sex scandals and various mm, other mm, things mm, that have happened, mm. um, with all the parties and a whole lot of parties getting 4% of the vote and not mm. getting in, um, they find themselves with far more power than they ever realised. <laughs> and they actually have to do what they... Say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's really the the premise. Mm. And um, and the, the the comedy is about is about how they go about what they do and what happens. Mm. So it's quite it's fun. And the the the, the Doug Doug um, Morris, who's the leader, is sort of like careful what you wish for character. Mm-hmm. And he sees how difficult it's going to be controlling a lot of MPs. And as he says. Do people not realise that if you go past about number eight on our list, they're all crazy, you know? And so he <laughs> has, he's just absolutely yeah. crestfallen. He yeah. wishes, you know, he's, 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 they've got more than they bargained for. Yeah. And so success is, is failure for him. Yeah, yeah. And so it's about how they get out of the situation and what happens. So how on earth did you come up with this? Uh, well, what could have possibly inspired? <laughs> no, well, it's actually an idea of about 20 years old. Because yeah, yeah. I knew these left-wing politicians and they'd tell me stories. And there's a character, Leon Brookfield, who's a... He's an absolute, you know, and I'm the guy. I, I think Nikki Hager is wonderful. I love the fact that Waihopai has been exposed for what it is, you know, and I, mm. I, I'm totally on board with that stuff. But this guy, Leon, he's like, there's every room is bugged. Mm. The, the chewing gum is not actually chewing gum, it's a CIA <laughs> organic bug yeah. that, you know, and he won't, and he, because he's so um, paranoid, he won't use internet. He won't use Microsoft and he mm, won't use mm. the internet because the CIA are listening to him. Well, actually, the CIA are listening to most political <laughs> yeah, parties. Yeah, yeah. But the comedy is he keeps everything on a flash disk. <laughs> and so that's... You laugh just then, but yeah. that's actually a true yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I met someone in Dunedin <laughs> who... Oh, no, I don't use... I won't use Microsoft. It's all on a Commodore because the CIA, are, you know, <laughs> and he kept everything on a flash disk. So I've accumulated all these true stories mm. 
Um, and then this current government and, and the press groups and everything, and it, it sort of turned into a, into a story. Well, that's the... You can't have satire without touching on or using the truth to inform your satire, right? Yeah, like, you, yeah. you, you can't... You, they, they talk about satire rubbing close to the truth, but it really yeah. comes from the truth. Oh, absolutely. And, and this has been a really enjoyable experience writing this book. Mm. It sounds like lefty bashing, but mm. it's sort of not. Mm. And, um, and it's really about how um, people change and how politics changes and how it's almost impossible um, to do what you want to do in politics. And what did you think of Burn Her? Oh, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Yeah. It was well written, wasn't it? Yeah, and very serious. Yes. And, and um, that, I mean, some people have said to me, oh, you know, burn her. But this is totally different. No, no, yeah, I, was, I, was, I would have yeah. asked you about yeah. it anyway. It wasn't, oh, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. that yeah. I was seeing um, any comparison. No. Oh, well, but people poli- will make a yeah, comparison because political, political plays. That's, about it. that's yeah, right. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought it was a pretty impressive piece of oh, writing. Really and, good writing. And obviously it was well yeah. staged and everything yeah, too. Very well staged. But um, yeah, I was impressed with the writing. Yeah. Well, I was impressed that someone, Sam Brooks, who's I think yeah. late 20s, yeah. took politics seriously. Yes. Because a lot of people say, oh, you know, yeah. uh, 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 young writers. Why should we bother, basically? Yeah, why, like, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, a writing about themselves. And it was a really good look at how the political process process works and all that mm. uh, and all that sort of thing so I know I liked it I thought mm. it was good I thought mm. it was good mm. and it did well too which yeah it's great yeah it's great when serious plays I mean I've written like central serious plays. yeah yeah um this one's not but um uh I love it when serious plays do well because it's sort of like guys there's more to well, life see, than, than screwball comedies and musicals I thought so were you basically saying that central didn't do that well it or it just it you did just okay. mean it did okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah didn't yeah. break Records, but it yeah. was, um, but it was always quite a hard, hard sell. In a way. Mm, it, mm. You know, it was trying to look at issues and environment. But it wasn't without humour. Oh yeah, know, was, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. serious plays have humour in them, right? Absolutely. Like it, you know, I, I can't think of dramas. There was a few yeah. really like tough dramas, but um, uh, most uh, most drama, good dramas um, have comedy in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unless it's Chekhov. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or something, a, or something like that. That's what I'm saying. Just, There's a few yeah, yeah, that are yeah. just unremitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Starts bad and gets worse. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. most modern dramas, something and, like August Osage County, yes, lovely play. Yeah, yeah. Really funny. Really funny. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it's hard. It's I think mm. people sometimes underestimate comic writing. They think they think drama's hard and comedy's easy, but it's not. It's the other way around some of the time. Mm, <laughs> you know? mm, not yeah. always. Yeah. Well, it, I, I guess the hard thing too with this stuff is finding a balance too. That yeah. you don't want it to tip over into farce. No. Uh, farce is a thing and yeah. can be a thing, but you don't want it to tip no. over into that. Yeah. Well, well, surprise party's interesting like that, and that it mm. starts. It's quite farcical in the first half, and the second half still has elements of farce, but it starts getting a bit serious. Mm, mm. And I first time. I heard it, I was sort of going, don't stop laughing. But then I realised, no, you're making a point here, Dave. Mm-hmm. You're, you're saying some stuff. Don't don't resile from making a point, if um, as long as it's not whacking people over the head. Well, haven't you noticed that a bit more with stand-up comedy these days, yep. that actually that that arc is probably in place for a lot of comedy specials? Hannah Gatesby's, yeah, yeah, that perfect you can just, example. Yeah, that you can just... But even some of those guys like that, you know that I know offend a few people like Bill Burr. Yep. Like I, I, I see him as a pretty masterful writer and mm. performer of comedy, who um, 
is quite happy to stand there and not get a laugh yeah. for yeah. minutes on yeah. end yeah. because he's a seasoned yeah. performer too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that whole kind of lead with some jokes and then yeah. and then the the, the thread yeah. really develops. I, I think as you, I think having the confidence not not to need laughs yes. is really good. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. That's a, that's a yeah. real confidence thing. Yeah, to, yeah. And it's sort of like, hey, I can be funny, um, but I don't need to. Because you're just counting the applause ticks yeah. as a young. Young in your career, I mean, person, yeah. aren't you? If, yeah. if that's what you do, oh, they liked it, they laughed. That's measurable. Yeah. Well, comedy is measurable. Mm. Like that, the, I suppose um, it's the it's the level of comedy mm. that that. And, and I must say, after writing two dramas in a row, I quite like <laughs> the return being allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To to be allowed just to be a bit silly or a bit funny mm. in part, mm. parts, but there's still. I, I mean, I I can't. The good comedies have a point, you know. They, yeah. they have definitely have a point, mm. um, and and you do you do sort of think as well. Yeah, you don't you don't leave your brain in the box office. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. You also recently wrote or co-wrote my well, probably my son's and probably a lot of people's favourite New Zealand Christmas film of the last three or four years. Do you mean Kiwi Christmas? Yeah. 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 That's a that, that was that's an, really showing your train spotter credentials. <laughs> it was a pretty good movie. I liked it. I know. And, and, I know. and I'm saying it like yeah, that, um, to be honest, because yeah. I went to it going, I wonder if this. And I don't, don't know if I don't know if I knew if you were attached to it when I watched it, yeah. but I was kind of like I went to it going, I'm into the idea of seeing this, but is this going to actually work? Yeah. And I thought it had a real perfect charm to it. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I I loved working on it. Mm. It was a very strange beast because. Yeah. Um, Tony Simpson, the director and mm. writer, he wrote it with um, Andrew Gunn, mm-hmm. and they wrote the first draft. Mm. and uh, And they went to the film commission, and I think um, it was sort of like, guys, it's good, but you need a second draft, and maybe get someone in. And he just rang me up and said, "Do you want to, um, you know, do you want to get involved?" Mm-hmm. In it? So I helped him. And you know, when you see three people on a film, um, you always think three people especially a comedy oh we're all sitting making each other cups of tea yeah. laughing at each other but it doesn't work like that yeah and so um he and he and andrew and i read it and i went this should be made this is a great this is before i got involved Mm-mm. i read it and said this is really good yeah uh, and then he said oh the you know there's been some feedback this doesn't work and, and there were certainly areas to improve it so so tony and i worked on it and brought in i brought tried to bring in a bit of comedy but also mm-hmm. um uh, some sort of like the relationship um, between the, the couple and stuff, mm, just mm. we really tried to, to, to work on it. And then um, it was very funny because if you if you go to the film, if you work for the film commission, things like that, you know, you you can go through ten drafts just like that. You can go to interminable times, and then mm. then after three years, it gets not funded, you know. And I said to him after I finished, well, best of luck, you know. Yeah. Um, I got paid. Yeah. And best of luck, Tony. What what happens next? And he sort of said, oh, well, the, the, they'll read it and then it might go to this or it might do a third draft or we might do this or we might do that, you know. Mm. And and he said, oh, we might get some money to do. And it was a tiny thing. It was to get a reader in Australia to do it or something. And I went, oh, well, best of luck. I've enjoyed mm. And I really like Tony's a great guy. And I already knew Andrew, who's fantastic. But, but Tony's really fun. And he had me down at his place in Banks Peninsula and it was 30 degrees it was amazing it was fun so I said best of luck you know and then I get this phone call like six months later um oh how are you doing and uh, oh good and he says we got the money and I said oh okay is that for a, a script assessment or a little workshop he said no to make a movie <laughs> and he 
he'd got uh, you know he'd worked finance himself he'd got finance for it and everything so it made me realise a movie's not just about whether mm. someone likes it or not mm. it's, it's, it's the deal yeah, the yeah. actors and everything like that lots so, of steps um, so basically it got made yeah and yeah so I, no know, we've got we went to it at the movies and we've got it on um, we've got the DVD of yeah, it and, and yeah. Oscar's watched it a bunch he oh, watched, he's watched it tons oh that's great it. to hear and he hasn't dug it out for this season yet but yeah, I'm yeah. sure that'll yeah. that'll happen again because he's yeah watched it a bunch uh, over and the, the like, good thing with the Christmas movie is it does yeah. you know we don't have many of them yeah uh, yeah so it gets, gets to circulate like it gets yeah. to come yeah. back yeah and I noticed like I, I, I know Netflix is putting more and more out each year yep. now but it tapped into that thing of being like a nostalgic family styled movie so, which we really yeah. tried to uh, Tony's big, I mean Tony goes on those those nostalgic mm. and, and funnily enough my, my play The Motor Cam is about that nostalgic mm, 60s mm, 70s mm. when everyone went to the beach yeah, yeah. and Tony still does that Yeah, and I think it's really cool he, a bunch of families I think go to Tauranui somewhere and they do everything and I used to I used to just tease him mercilessly because he was so like the lead character yeah right the, 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 the father yeah, you know yeah and and um Oh, I brought back my childhood. Yeah, we went to Clifton yeah. Beach. That yeah. was it. The grandparents had a caravan. Yeah. And we took, you know, yeah. we all went there for a while and then we took turns having our own week there or a few that, days there right. and stuff like that. But, yeah. yeah. And now, I mean, the, the sad thing is um, kids don't do that. So the yeah. best they might get is going to a movie or, or yeah, something. Yeah. So, so I know, I mean, Tony's got a real uh, belief in doing things because um, they're good. Yeah. You know, he, he hates the fact that kids don't have good family movies to see that they're often mm-hmm. watching really violent stuff and mm-hmm. so even though you know there's I mean there's violence in the form of pe- slapstick yeah yeah but it's it's got sort of quite good yeah uh, principles in the yeah, movie yeah 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 and it is for kids and and yeah. I, I love I mean I love writing for kids for theatre so yeah. so um, I, I always say if you can make a kid laugh you can make an adult laugh yeah. making a kid laugh without they don't know they haven't read the paper this morning they don't have political jokes you yeah, know, they, yeah, yeah. so making them laugh because you've got a spoon on your nose or because you're saying something you know that makes them laugh I think is an undervalued uh, undervalued quality Mm-mm. yeah well I don't want to sound like a, a creep here I'm using my own son as an example but you watch a kid sleep and yeah. there's like a computer shutting down. They've got, oh, no, yeah, they've yeah, got no baggage. Yeah, yeah. They've got no, right. you know, they've got oh, no conscience yeah. in that moment. Why they, should they have? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, if they've done something wrong, they've been told about it yeah. and they've learned their lesson and moved on. So they don't they don't have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Oh, and look, my niece, she's my great niece. She's 18, 20 months, talks a little bit. She comes to our house and we've got, um, like your house, open doorways. Mm. And we've got two in the room. And so... I just come down, every time I come down the stairs when she turns up, I, I, I make it like I'm a giant with big boots. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah. I slam down the yeah. d- down the thing and she laughs. Then I go and hide and I come out one door and go through the other, you know, mm. and then I, I go to go out one door but then turn around and come back and she laughs. Mm. And uh, and again, it's it's of course it's because I think she's wonderful, but it's also because it's keeping in touch. It's sort of like a piano player practicing Mm-mm. it's keeping in touch with a bit of comedy yeah totally and what's great is now she does it she plays the joke on me yeah and then the other day she discovered we've got these sort of French um, French doors with, with windows in and I did the same thing I hid and, and and then she saw me and it was a big joke and then she put her finger against the door and I put my finger in you know we couldn't touch because yeah, yeah. there was glass and then I put my face against and it and it made it um, it made it distorted and mm. she thought it was a hell of a joke then she did it mm. and 
my wife's laughing away going, okay, that means I'm going to have to clean all the windows, but for, for God's sake, don't stop because it's yeah, so yeah, lovely. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm having such a good time. So, oh no, I think uh, I, I absolutely, and I taught kids a lot when I was, you know, trumpet player. So I think, um, I think if you can relate to children through what you do, not all the time, Mm-mm. it's incredibly um, uh, sort of it's good for you. Yeah. But it's also wonderful, you know. And, yeah. and some of them, my favourite movies and favourite theatre is kid stuff. What were some of the things that you? Because you've got a very, you're very good at putting uh, the Kiwi voice across, I and mean, that's that's who you are and what you know. Yes. But what we some in terms of doing it in a comedic way, what were some of the kind of influences you took from? Well, I I think where I'm quite lucky is is that I don't I was never obsessed about comedy or mm. or theatre even. Um, so I'm really it's it, I've often asked that and I don't I don't have my big heroes um, I of course there are some I remember watching funnily enough Brecht was a massive Bertolt Brecht was a massive mm. influence and I used to listen to all Kurt Vile's music and I was nuts about that so political theatre and of course John Clark Fred mm. Dick, you know I just love John Clark um, mm. and, and, and his stuff um, but I and the other thing is being a child of the 60s I grew up um, watching for comedy, or watching television, and things like All Gas and Gators, um, Steptoe and Son, massive. Mm. Steptoe and Son uh, is just like so much of what I've written. Mm. Class, you know, people, um, uh, familial relationships mm. that went wrong. My father had false teeth, and one time he was having coffee or something, and he brought his false teeth out. And clean. He didn't even do anything that bad. And I went, "Oh, you like Steptoe?" He used to mm. decorate the um, cake with his false teeth, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. the pastry. Yeah. And my mother hooted with laughter. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you another really big influence was all in the family. Oh yeah, um, because, man! I started watching that stuff again recently. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Oh, all in the family. I just think is one of the yeah. Best. And then they had an offshoot, the Jeffersons. Yes. And that wasn't so good, but it was black humour, you know, yes, and yeah, it was yeah. the political politicisation yeah. of black people in America. And I remember um, our neighbours were, as I mentioned, you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s, our neighbours uh, were Pacific Islanders from Newey. And one time, um, the the boy, one of the, the, the kids came running out of the house and his, like, 45-year-old mother was holding a salad, mm. a, a, um, a broom, she said, "You do that again, or I will kill you." You know, and she was trying mm. to whack him, and he was going, oh, "Don't leave!" You know, even like, and it was, and my mother and I watched that, and she said, "Wouldn't it make a great sitcom?" Mm. And you know, yeah. And so, so she was enormously. My parents made like they took me to stuff. So it was cheaper than a babysitter. Mm. So they took me to Unity Theatre to watch plays uh, by a guy called Alexander Buzo, who was writing highly political stuff about the public service, probably ten years before. Light time got mm, or no mm. no it was, it was three years but mm. but I was enormously influenced by things like that but I I wasn't um, someone who who watched comedians on you know one comedian on TV yeah or, right or one person. yeah, yeah. Um, so. so uh, yeah, and, and I sort of came to writing quite late even mm. though I did bits and pieces so. But mentioning so, all in the family, I was thinking like Norman Lear is kind of finding out more about him and, he, and everything yeah. that he, he's done I, I knew about all in the family and I, reme- I can remember Archie Bunker's place yeah I was 
bit bit young for all in the family, but I yep. can remember Archie Bunker and watching bits of that. But learning a bit more about Norman there has got me interested in going back to all of that stuff. Oh, I, mean, I, I think um, All in the Family is you know, gold. I, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. Funnily enough, it was a spin-off of Till Death Do Us Part, yes, yes. which I don't think is successful. I was going to say, I think it's one of the few times yeah. when the yeah. American spin-off version yeah. and, and worked better. It came at a time of Nixon and yeah. all those things. Um, and of course, another, other, I've been re-watching Monty Python, mm, and mm. I realised like in Motor Camp, my, my play, which was really successful, there's mm. a... Um, there's a scene where the father, you know, he feels he's discovered his wife, he, he's discovered his daughter's been out necking um, the the son of the next door caravan. He's discovered mm. that his daughter, who's 15, is on the pill. Mm. Um, and he he's feeling emasculated, you know, that, the, sort of the dad joke guy. Mm. He's, he's feeling that his family are plotting against him and his wife didn't tell him. And <laughs> he goes into this thing, oh, you know, she, she's... Um, She's only on the pill because she has heavy periods. And he just goes, oh, well, I think, you know, why don't I think I should take get on the pill because um, it might improve my golf game. You know, and he starts <laughs> doing this thing and then, sorry I've been so uh, difficult, everyone, um, but I've got my period, you know. And he, he just does this rave. And I realised after writing it, um, it's it's so, owes so much to John Cleese. Yes, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and... Uh, it's not John Cleese, and he's mm, not—he mm. doesn't do silly. But mm. but so that sort of hysterical outburst. Yes. Um, I just went. That's John Cleese, and and uh, watching Surprise Party. There's a very very funny um, thing where the leader is just so furious at his own people, mm, you know. Mm. And, and I just—and it's very fun. And he just got. And I just went. Oh yeah, that's. I wouldn't have ever written that without Cleese. What about the what about the stuff. what about the things that that came out that was in, that was inspired by Python that would have been happening around the time that you would have been playing the music and starting to get towards that stuff like that British the Ben Elton young ones I love Blackadder stuff yeah I love the young ones um, I love Blackadder um, I hate to say it but when I saw Ben Elton do stand up I just found him a cringy liberal um, but mm. that became quite useful too um, because. You know, I, I do a good line in cringy liberals um, <laughs> and, and, and yeah but I love Blackadder mm. I, I mean I loved Ronnie Barker oh, and, yeah. and Ronnie Corbett I yeah. love the two Ronnies and you know of yeah. course you look at them now they're old school Yeah, there's a lot wrong with them um, but at the same time the wordplay the Ronnie Barker's writing is oh it's just so incredible. clever yeah. and they they do the, uh, I mean I love I love I, I think comedy comes from the heart mm. more than the brain but I also love word plays and and even their and, silly, you know, what, yeah. what people now call always call dad jokes. Yeah, their, their yeah. line in those were great. You oh, know, those those news the, reports, the, news reports the and, and just, you know, yeah. um, the toilets are missing, the police have got nothing, and the police yeah. have they got police nothing have got to nothing go, go on. Go on yeah, yeah. You know, oh, no. the dogs have all disappeared. They're following a number of leads. All that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, The way they deliver it the and, way, the, and the economy of it. Yeah, is brilliant. So clever. Yeah, I think the hearing. And it's sort of great the way you get generations with, with theatre and comedy. You get different generations. Mm. And so they were that, that sort of success generation. I heard that Eric Idle wrote the Nudge Nudge Wink Wink sketch mm. for the two Ronnies. Mm, right. But it didn't get accepted. It was too. <laughs> it was going too far, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that because it, yeah. it just shows you how um, it's a progression, not a yeah, and revolution. Yeah, how, how clearly defined the parameters were of yeah. each. And, and if you look at... If yes. you look at Eric Idle, he's so influenced by the two Ronnies and yes. even police. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's great to see how yeah. people get influenced. You know, and, and I know he's persona non grata, um, an awful guy, but you wouldn't have had 
Chris Rock say without Cosby? Yeah. Cosby yeah. was iconic. And, yeah, yeah. And, well, that's what people know. found so hard in dealing with that. Certainly oh, so, in the, so in the hard, comedy yeah. community because yeah, he's, yeah. A, you know, yeah. uh, he's a rock star. Yeah. You and know? I don't so much mean the Cosby show. But, but no, the, no, no, yeah. but finding out what Cosby, yeah. uh, it kind of, uh, you know, it kind of be like finding out the same accusations against Paul McCartney. Yeah. You yeah, know, right. in terms right. of, yeah. or, or Brian yeah. Wilson, in yeah. terms of yeah. the, the sheer number of people that yeah. both took joy from the product and professionally were influenced by and, it. It's just, you know, it's that monumental. Or Prince Andrew. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think this, yeah. is, this, is, this is this tale of the 20 and the 21st century. My, my father was a Stalinist. You know, my father was a communist in the 1940s. Mm. And he, I wrote a thing that I haven't finished yet. Um, when he was alive, he died a few years ago, that was laughing at the Stalinists and laughing at, you know, how, how, this. Um, and based on Dad's own life, he, he was scared to tell his communist mates that he bought a badge because mm. he was becoming a member of the property class. And, <laughs> you know, they said he was bourgeois because he listened yeah. to classical music and stuff like that. And that was a reality, but he, he talked to me about the about the left, you know, Hungary in 56 and Czechoslovakia in 68 and realising that this wonderfully idealistic thing they fought for, that was ideal, that was good, you know, equality and, yeah. and eliminate poverty, was actually this terrible, murderous regime and stuff. And, um, and someone said to him, you know, we had no idea. And Dad said to her, actually... I think we did know, but we just didn't. We could have found out, but we just didn't want to know. Mm. We we chose not not to know, you know. Mm. And and that that lack of that loss of, um, and and in a way, the surprise party to get back mm. is sort of about it's about the loss of faith in people that you have. You put your you put your you say, oh, you know, I love the Labour Party, or I love the Greens, or I love the National Party, and you think they're going to do what you want, and you get disappointed. Mm. And I think that feeling of of it's happening. It's happening with the Me Too movement. It's happening all the time. People are going, oh, my God, these Woody Allen. You know, we all mm. sat and laughed at Woody Allen uh, at a certain time in history. And, oh, my God, look at him. So so it's, I, I mean, the way I just fired is, hey, you know, hey, presto, people are human. People mm, mm. appear uh, very nice and friendly when they're evil. People uh, have foibles. People are weak. I find the Woody Allen one one of the most... Interesting, complex scenarios. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For many reasons, because, yeah. yes, just to bring his name up now makes you yeah. a bad person. Yeah, And yeah. yet, and, you know, sure, we've been told over and over again to, to not, you know, um, why don't we believe victims and stuff, but Mia Farrow's track record around oh, yeah, all yeah, of this yeah, yeah, is yeah, problematic, yeah, yeah, yeah. which doesn't excuse him or, no, no, or no, suggest, no, you know no, what I mean? No, yeah. And then, and then, like I hear a lot from people who really didn't follow his work at all, yeah. going, well, that's good that we don't have to care about him anymore. And it's like, that's, that's fine that you didn't, that that didn't mean anything to you. Yeah. But, you know, as a pure joke teller, joke writer, he's one of the absolute yeah. finest. Yeah, well, you know? I got asked, way before this came out, I got asked to review one of his latest books. Mm. And I remember was being... Was that Anarchy? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I remember being enormously disappointed. Yeah, no, no, that wasn't great. As as I have been watching two out of three of his yeah, movies, yeah, or same. four out of five. But then, if you're a child yeah. of the 70s, like mm. I was, you can't 
you, you can remember Annie Hall in Manhattan oh, I just think as that, being iconic. Yeah, and, and I just know. think I just think like I, I just don't accept that argument that he's not a great filmmaker because it's kind of to me it's kind of like the Neil Young principle. It's like he's done so much stuff that some of it's fucking good. Oh yeah, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah, like and that's his process, and yeah, it's very yeah. similar. Like spray yeah. and walk away. Like this yeah. is this year's product. Yeah, if you don't like it, I'll be back next year with another one. Yeah. and that doesn't work for everyone, but yeah. for those two guys and a few other people, and oh, oh, it yeah. works. And I reckon he's made half a dozen amazing films, and yeah. that's more than a lot of people ever make. Yeah, look, it's yeah. like me. I have yeah. to accept that the Eagles exist and that they're successful. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want it to, yeah. to be the yeah, yeah. truth, you know. But I, but I, but I have to. And and we all have. And, and occasionally, you listen to something and you go, actually, I just, I just, I went to a. Oh yeah, you know, I I was listening to an America album. Mm-hmm. My wife was just going, oh my god, what was, you know, what was going wrong in your life? <laughs> I was just listening. Because I never listened to it at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I was going, yeah, she quite like some of this. She's saying, get out of here. And <laughs> she, she used to do a bit of reviewing, and, yeah. and we got we went to the bread concert. Yeah. Right? And and it was fantastic. And yeah. It goes against it when I was in I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and um, this is what you know artistically I I think define that defines me in a way. I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I'd been to what people had told me. Were, were the things to see that year mm. and it was okay you know yeah. but nothing that really really blew me away and then I went to the booth didn't have much money and they had a special on Rick Wakeman um, playing his piano and uh, I'm so not a Rick Wakeman fan mm, mm. but I went to this concert and he told the story of doing um, Morning Is Broken Piano Solo yeah, yeah, for yeah. Cat Stevens yeah. riveting and yeah, he yeah. said oh, now I'm going to play um Eleanor Rigby in the style of Sergei Prokofiev. And, yeah. like, you don't have to like everything Yes yeah, have yeah, ever done. Yeah. Um, but he's he's a guy, like, you can't exi- deny yeah. he existed. No, that's right. And I actually enjoyed that show he's, way more. He's than, also got some comedy chops. Yeah, I know, oh, he was yeah, great. Yeah, was yeah, great. yeah. And, and he ended up... I interviewed him, um, yeah. and he's... Yeah, man. And I love, his, um, I love his podcast show, yeah, you know, that he yeah, does, or yeah. whatever it is at... Uh, the little TV show, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the way they all go, oh, were you in, were you in Heat? We, we, we were in town, and Heat were in town, yeah. And Purple were there. No band has yeah, two names; yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. one, one name. Yeah. You know, you, you're not allowed to say Deep Purple. It's yeah. oh, Purple yeah. and Iron are going to be there too. <laughs> and I loved that sort of him talking to old musos. And, and I suppose it's that thing of, of, you know, pay your dues and have respect mm-hmm. for those before and after you. And, yeah, yeah. And that's I do. And, yeah. And I, I find it very hard to categorically say I hate a, a creative person mm. you know a, a, their work or, or whatever um, I, I found it pretty easy to draw a line on the Bill Cosby thing because yep. because he clearly was using a using a form that is largely autobiographical stand up yep. comedy and, yep. unless you present yourself as a character and he clearly was espousing all these wholesome oh, absolutely. morals Total to, the, to, the, yeah. to the point that he yeah. condemned his own race. Oh, terrible human being. So yeah. that yeah. it was very easy for me to just go, yeah. right, you're you're yeah. an evil, yeah. sick fuck. Oh, absolutely yeah. agree. But and what, I, none yeah. of what I was saying before is me thinking Woody Allen's yeah. not guilty. No, no. If it comes out that he's absolutely guilty and there's a big sort of moratorium on his yes. work, yeah. I'll... 
you know, that mere anarchy book's rubbish, but yeah. fuck the complete prose of Woody Allen. Yeah. The thing is, that's a Bible yeah. to me. It's, that's it's incredible. Sort of like you, you can't, if it's history, yeah. you know, there is no doubt that, you know, in, <laughs> in 1933, a large number of people thought National Socialism was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And in 1935, the, you know, probably 95% of Russians thought Stalin had the answers. Mm. Um, th- th- that's just the fact. Mm. Um, and, and so these people have had influence. And, mm. And history goes back and revisits them, um, and it's interesting to see what survives yeah. and, and what doesn't. Yeah. What what um what is because I mean your CV is massive. What are some of the th- other things that you've done TV wise that uh, we should talk about? We mentioned briefly um, Mr. Gormsby, which was a yeah a, 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 boy a that special which which wouldn't fly today. I don't think we'd get that over the line. <laughs> but that has a special place in the hearts of. Well, probably a lot of boomers that need to fuck off in a way, but yeah. uh, other people as well. Like, yeah, I, I suppose again, I'm not. I, I I may not write it today, but I make no mm, excuses. Yeah, for yeah, it. yeah. Um, quite autobiographical. It was. It was really Danny and I. I think we wrote it in his, um, in one of his flats in the kitchen. Most of it as, as a theatre show. Mm. We did it at Bats Theatre at nine o'clock on a Friday night, and then the, the story of. Um, the story of how he got it over the line, he and Tom Scott formed a company and they um, went to Tony Holden, who was the head of TV programming at mm. the time, who actually did some really interesting progressive things. And they pitched about 12 ideas and Tony wasn't interested. And then Danny just did Gormsby. and said, all right, Holden, if you don't make this program, I'm not just going to cane you. I'm going to fuck you. And that was a line right. from Gormsby. <laughs> yeah, from I remember him telling and, me that. And... Um, <laughs> at, we got seven episodes, so yeah. we called it Seven Periods with Mr. Gormsby. We got called Nazis by an Aussie critic, but um, it it was a bit misunderstood because yeah. yes, we laughed at, and I mean I hate the word political correctness. Um, yeah, we laughed at the sort of the in education, but we, what we really railed against was free market economics, and it's about how people use liberal things. Mm. You know, the, the person that that turns your kindergarten that won't pay ECE teachers a living wage will be wearing a ponamu and 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 greet you in Mali. Mm. And, and it wasn't saying only those people are bad. It was just saying um, everyone's in it. this this mm. attitude to to this movement to to denude education mm. um, is is actually a, a political movement and it and it's been continued by. National Labour governments, and the most subversive thing we did in Gormsby was the um, the school was going to be um, closed down because there was a high decile school nearby that everyone wanted to go to, and these kids lived by these kids um, were from a low decile area. They loved this school, and um, they didn't know how, and because their school was so useless and had such bad things. Mm. Um, how they were going to do it. So Gormsby gives them a cigarette lighter and says, do your stuff, and they burn down the, the opposing school. <laughs> so I think that's the most subversive thing I've ever written. Mm. Um, so on one hand, you know, people that might get offended by some of his outrageous yes. racism, sexism and homophobia at the same time. And I suppose what we were trying to say is not everyone, good and bad is not to do with how people look or... You, you know, there's some very good people who say the wrong things. Um, there's some very good people that, that piss off liberals and piss off people like me, piss off columnists, but they're not necessarily terrible people. Mm. And um, I, I think that's what we were saying. 
um, at the same time as telling stories about yeah. being at this crazy school. Mm, um, mm. Yeah. Um, so, interesting that, you know, I didn't really like the Joker movie that yeah, came out which this I haven't year. Seen. Yeah, well, I won't spoil it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like it, but I liked the experience of going and seeing it. I, yep. I'm glad it was made. Yeah. I was interested enough to see it and to drag myself to a theatre to see it. And there were some compelling things about it. And, in fact, I thought the first half hour of it was quite incredible. Yeah, right. Um, to me, it fell over. And I don't think it's as clever as people think it is. Right, right. You know, which yeah, is yeah. A, a common complaint of mine and a curse. And it makes you sound like a fucking wanker to <laughs> say that, basically. It gives you the bad name that critics deserve, where you yeah. think you're above people. But yeah. it's also a fact. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, so oh, there's yeah, that, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I'm, I, I do think one of the things I liked about the Joker being made and the, and I guess most of the style of how it was made is I do feel there's a real, a bit too heavy-handed a push on anyone creating material to have some moral obligation to, to be kind. Yeah. I, you know, and it's yeah. like we still have arseholes in the world and yeah. arsehole stories are important and you can yeah. learn from them. And I've, I've written know. arsehole stories. Yeah. Um, I think... As a writer, I mean, uh, it sounds trite, but it's not. People say to me, oh, I'm writing, you know, read what, could you read this for me or something? And it's like, it is what it is. Mm. And it's true of music, it's true of everything. So I'll have an idea and I'll go, um, what is this? You know, mm. what, what is this? And I might go, it's not a play, it's, mm. a, it's a short story. And it will find its niche. Mm. And, and then I'll go, this is not a play it's a radio play or this is a tv documentary it's not even a drama mm. and part of the skill of the artist is, is knowing what's appropriate mm. and not trying to not trying to turn a tragedy into a comedy mm. and I, I remember a few years ago that there was a thing in the film commission um for feel-good movies because they'd had all these art movies that had not done that well and they wanted feel-good movies and i remember saying to someone there's a really angsty brilliant drama writer out there that wants to do something about really dark aspects of mm, life mm. and they're being told oh no we only want feel good movies you know mm. or and it happens in the arts sometimes it's like um you know we want plays to perform in asia and i, I think that's great um but you know that a certain sort of person is going to write that play and they're going to be those sort of plays uh, and so uh you know people have people can only do what they do well they can't. Mm, mm, mm. They can't do things that they they, they don't want to mm. do. And so I think you've got to you've got to match yourself. So so um, yeah, the, there's very dark well, I people think... around. So so um, of course they deserve to be written about. Mm, mm. And you... But also enjoying the story about someone doesn't mean you enjoyed the character. No, you enjoyed the creation. You you yeah. you took something from it. Yeah. And you aren't condoning that action at all, but yeah. you're condoning that storytelling. Un- unfortunately, there's this horrible yes. word, likeable character. Yes. yeah. And uh, the, I, I, I do avoid it. I use it myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I, sp- I think relatable is, is, is mm. more accurate. But, oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, there are, there are plays about uh, the Holocaust and novels about the Holocaust that are absolutely brilliant. So the, mm. the dark side, if you like, of human nature uh, can be fantastic. Mm. Well, I think that's been the success of someone like Randy Newman was that he he didn't have punchlines in yep. his songs. Yeah. 
and he you know the feel good aspect is the musical setting yeah and so he's really confusing people yeah. oh this yeah. must be a happy little song yeah this lovely melody this song sail away oh it's actually a song about a slave trader you yeah know, like, that's right and that's things right. like and but he's just playing with it like yeah. a short story writer yeah he wasn't if trying to be an asshole he's, no, he's, right. he's exploring it yeah he didn't want to write you know boy meets girl songs because yeah. they were all the rage and he did that yeah. as a jobbing hack and then he wanted to do something else that's right and and sometimes you can even do both at the same time yeah 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 so you pull out in what seems a very light-hearted thing you pull out a, a piece of absolute mm. um and he's know. definitely done that he's returned to the love song and written yeah. some beautiful ones, actual yeah. sincere ones too I, I suppose it's that thing of you don't want to be um made to do what you did last time yeah yeah and you're always looking at, at and yeah like my plays are quite conservative um you know, and, and to get performed and to get an audience, they sort of have to be. I don't mean politically conservative, mm, but they're, mm, they're mm. not really out there. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're sort of um, no fourth or, uh, wall, and no breaking of the fourth wall. Yeah, I was going to say, like that. You're, the plays of yours I've seen and that I've read and know about, you're following a pretty... Uh, um, <laughs> when I say this, it's going to sound like a really... Um, awful sort of thin praise thing but you're following a pretty standard oh, yeah. structure of yeah. writing that's right and yeah. you're yeah. not yeah you're not doing burst out moments no, that really fuck with yeah. the you're adhering to a pretty standard idea of staging a play yeah, yeah. you are working in a yeah. yeah but that's not to say I haven't done stuff that's not like no, that no that's right and I'm quite you know like the tastes I have in classical music and things like mm, that are mm. definitely not that so mm. um, but that that comes just from, uh, I mean, in a way, meeting a demand, I suppose. There's magic in theatre yeah. um, on the night. Like, yeah. the night I went to Central and reviewed it was the opening night. I don't often go to the opening night. And the guy put down the glass of wine the glass and it broke. broke. Yeah, yeah. And it was wonderful. Yeah. I loved that. Because I was like, God, they like, cope with it. how are they going to deal with this? Yeah. And, yeah. They, and they nailed it. And yeah. then that makes me go, man, these people are skilled actors. Yeah. And they also... They have utmost respect for your script. They don't want to fuck that no, up. They, they right. want to get back on track. Yeah, yeah. But in that moment, they're going to bridge to yep. get back on track, and it, so it's great, you know. And I love it when actors uh, and things I've written improvise or, yeah. or uh, do things are aware of what the audience is. And mm, so I, mm. I love that, and mm. that, that for me. But yeah, I, I think um, again, uh, just because. Um, a lot of what I write is quite realistic. Mm -hmm. It's that conservative sort of style. Um, I love stuff that's not, and I'm I'm currently writing stuff that doesn't fit that mould, um, and we'll see what happens, what I do with it, mm. whether anyone will agree to put it on or whether, you know. And you also wrote the politics book in the mid-90s, True Colours, which yeah. I remember very well because that was when I was studying politics at university oh, okay. when that came yeah. out. Yeah. So that was on my... You know my personal reading list as oh well this is connected to what I'm studying, and it, you had the sort of I guess the sort of riff on the split ends yeah. album, album title and cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, I I'd just been working in TV, so I had money in the bank account. Right. And I sort of dreamed of being a political journalist. Yes. I thought they're never going to let me. I'll just be. do. I'll just be one. So I'll do it anyway. <laughs> I'll, God, so it, I'll yeah. do it, and it'll never get published. But I'll just do it. So it's, it was quite ambitious. It mm. was five weeks or something, mm. and. It was hilarious yeah. racing around the country going, you know, I've got to hear Bill Birch and Dargaville at 7.30 and stuff, mm. talking to all sorts of people. And, um, of course, it taught me how to write columns because every, mm, every mm. chapter is a, 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 a column. Mm. I loved Hunter S. Thompson and those yes. sort of people. Um, and I had no idea if it would get published or not. It was incredibly arrogant. I, yes. I sort of did it. And then, and I read it now and I'm, 
horrified by my lack of punctuation and <laughs> grammar and my lack of knowledge of the defamation laws and stuff. Sure. Um, what it's like I, a debut album yeah, thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With slightly out-of-tune guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. But other parts of it are really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, one of my favourite lines... This woman wasn't just Alliance, she was Stark Raving Alliance. and st- <laughs> Which, again, is sort of the surprise party harks yes, back to that yeah, era of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. politics. Yeah, and, totally. And, um, uh, and I think Jim Bolger has become a recurring, not in his name, mm. not not Jim Bolger, but mm. the sort of guy that Jim Bolger was and Jim Anton are they're characters that I find myself writing again in, you know, in mm, different mm. iterations, that mm. sort of... Kiwi bloke that doesn't really, who's a politician that's that's he's not ideological. He's a pre- pragmatist, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like that character. Um, that's and I suppose I see myself in them. That look, don't do what's morally right. Just do what's easiest, you know. Yeah. I quite like that <laughs> because I'm sort of like that. Yeah, yeah. And someone said in the rehearsal the other day, "Well, he, but he's a coward. Are you a coward?" I said, "Hell yeah!" You know, <laughs> yes, I'm a real coward. And, and, and if I you were think, a real coward, you'd be too scared to say. Yeah, well, well, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. But yeah. I, I think we, you know, we do put very high moral. Um, principles on everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. forget we're humans. And we're, well, this, that, we that, lie, we cheat. You know, we, we, I, I, I'm very wary of being too sort of, hey, this is what you should do. Telling other... Uh, uh, wagging t- the finger. Totally, you know. yeah. Well, the, and, you know, the Scarlet Tremaine cartoons, I, I, I just... All I did was share an article talking about how, you know, it was a bit of a lose-the-plot moment. Right. And it was disappointing. And I had some guy just jump on my Facebook page and do this rant and basically say, you of all people should know that he's just, you know... Oh, yeah, I, I mean... And, but it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. man, don't hold me up as your example. Whatever you think I am. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, if you're following my lead, you're fucked, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not, you we, know? We, are, we seem to be <laughs> scared to admit how, how hypocritical, yeah. how faulted we are. yeah. Um, and I always feel that that sort of self-deprecation. I don't, you know. I, I mean, when people say you shouldn't, uh, Judith Collins once said to me before she blocked me on Twitter, "Dave, you of all people are a journalist. You should know." And I went, "I'm not a journalist. I'm a yeah. failed maths teacher yeah, yeah. who writes gags for the Dominion Post. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, a, and to don't give me that noble profession and and it's we, we get we take ourselves a bit too seriously it's hard though I mean yeah. I've, I've had that too I've had the whole like you know rah 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 but then I've had the I've had far more often I've had the reverse you're not even a journalist you're oh not yeah, a, yeah, yeah yeah you're not a journalist yeah. you're just a blogger yeah. or you're a yeah. failed blogger yeah. or rah 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 yeah and I, I mostly don't care either way but I'm yeah. kind of like a little bit of me is like well which is it yeah you know like can you guys all have a meeting and decide between you, am I a journalist or am I not? Yeah. Because I kind of think that really publishing for years on end in the paper makes you a journalist. Yeah. Ultimately. I, I had great fun at a debate the other day for the council. Um, the, the, it was a, region, it was a um, local body debate, um, a fundraiser, but it was quite august company and there were council candidates mm, and councillors mm. there and everyone got up. And it was meant to be a, a comedy debate, but I could I worried that it was going to get a bit too serious yeah. and stuff. And and funnily enough, uh, one of the candidates on the health board, who's wonderful, she said, um, "This is a bit different to doing what I do do during the day, mm, which is mm. sexually transmitted diseases." And uh, she said, "I gave a lecture this morning on syphilis or something." And and I just sort of and there were a few co- uh, journalists there, mm. real real journalists, 
and and I I sort of said, you know, that guy's the genital warts of of journalism. He's the gonorrhea journalism. She's the it was herpes or something. But I am the syphilis. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and I'm going to be here till I die. You know, I'm, I, this is me. I, and and it's sort of like it was fun to do, but it's yeah, also yeah. true. Yeah, is, yeah. is that um, who are we all trying to kid? Yeah, you know? yeah. And we're all legends in our own lunchtime. Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't. You know, I think I think it, it is. And what you're describing about social media outrage does exist. I've been, I've been sworn at, abused, not by right wing Christians from um, Foxton who who don't like my views on gay gay marriage because I'm too liberal. Those I find those people are very polite. Mm-mm. Dear Mister Armstrong, I disagree with everything you stand for. Yeah, yeah. That's actually easy to take. It, it's the up yours, you bastard. Yeah, you know yeah, when yeah. you when you say something, the left might not. Yes. Exactly like or, or, or something. Yes, and even the, though you and, might consider yourself part of it. Yeah. Or read one thing and go, you and pardon the pun on your book title, but like, you know, they'll read one thing and go, now you've shown your true yeah, yeah, colours. Yeah, yeah, now yeah, you've really, you know, yeah, or yeah. you're a turncoat or yeah, yeah. this is what we always suspected about you based yeah. on the three things of yours yeah, we've yeah, read yeah, over yeah, 20 yeah. years, that's you know, right, like. That's right. Oh, no, yeah. that, that, there's a bit of that going on. Yeah. Absolutely agree with you. And, yeah. And, um, but I also. I, I just, I don't, like, sometimes maybe playing sport I get a bit physical, um, but I don't, like, I don't have enemies. Yeah. I don't I don't consider, and probably people criticise me because I'm too friendly with, with their enemies. Yeah, yeah. But I like talking to, you know, um, people whose politics are different to mine because they're often really interesting. Ha- totally, people. yeah. And I, I like having honest disagreement, and I like saying to people, well, I don't, you know, agree with that, but that's fine. But it's um, tr- It's getting harder to do, don't you think? Oh yeah, and, because uh, because oh, people yeah. people are just drawing their putting their flag and going, yeah. this is my team. Yeah, and whoever's representing my team, yeah. I'm I'm not actually going to question whether they're better or worse than the last yeah. person. They're just on my team. Yeah, and, and it, it, as a political animal, I I see the teams working, and I mm, I support mm. you, and I I'm open about my. I don't belong to a political party, but I'm open that I'm a lefty. You know, mm, mm. and I'm quite honest about that. But, you know, I don't think that every person in um, America that votes Trump is beyond redemption, is a no. terrible person. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I've sort of, in New Zealand, a lot of my characters, I suppose in my plays, if there's a unifying thing, it's it's saying that there are things I agree with and things that I don't agree with. I don't like, uh, you know, things like racism and homophobia and stuff, but people that are on the other side are not beyond redemption. So I think it's worth having the conversation. Mm. And when you get old like I am, you see people change, and they do sometimes, for the better. And, mm, mm. and you know, I'm reading at the moment, just because I'm a nerd, reading about 1976 Springbok Tour, when we went to mm. um, South Africa, and it's fascinating. Um, and I also, I, uh, it's fascinating that the people that were in heart in the 70s then become, came the enemy, the conservatives in the 80s and even today. Um, and, you know, so so everyone thinks when they're young they're changing the world. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they get middle-aged. And, well, and I always sort of, uh, I sort of crudely put it that the the problem with the left and the right thing is the right only cares about what's right in front of them and the left only cares about what's going to be left, you know. Yeah, like, that's and right, that's, that's, the, right. that's the problem yeah, yeah, is yeah. that they're not looking at the picture the same way. Yeah. So, you know, my... My dad said to me, and I keep using this example, but my dad said to me recently, you know, 
I don't mind Jacinda, but she's got awfully smug. Right. And it's kind of like, fuck, we lived through, that was all John Key was able to show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. you never brought up smug then, because, yeah, you know, right, like, right. so this is a, you know, yep. this is just, yep. Yep. we can't, so much as I agree with you, I love to have conversations with people that have different, but if that's what you're going to lead with, oh, I, yeah, I can't, talk to, I can't yep. talk to that, because yep. Yep. you're blatantly seeing something one way and choosing to not see... Yeah the living example of it <laughs> that right. was there before. Oh, sure. So, yep. you know, so we're done, you know, we're not yep. going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about what's on Netflix now for yep. the rest of the weekend and not politics. If we, you know, <laughs> that's sort of, <laughs> that's sort of weird. Now that's a, that's a, a family debacle and an yep. intergenerational thing but as it's well. All, but it's every New Zealand family. That's, that's it. That's yep. what I mean. Like that's yep. happening, isn't it? That yep. sort Ab- of thing. Absolutely. And you would think, I, I mean, I was talking to a, a guy in his, 20s the other day and he said to me do you think like with the okay boomer thing and mm-hmm. millennial you know i meet guys my age that are, that complain about millennials constantly and i'm so i'm saying well actually i work f- for them and with them mm. and i uh, i have no complaints you know there's mm. really smart people yes there's apart a from that one time that millennial told you to listen to the america album <laughs> didn't tell you they were being ironic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's they right. got and you in shit it. with the yeah. wife. <laughs> Ventura <laughs> Highway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so I, I think that's just it. For a for a boomer to say that about millennials, okay, try, say it about Muslims or Pakistanis yeah, yeah, or yeah. or Maori, and you would you would never do that. Mm. But you're allowed to say it about someone a different age. Yeah. And but and, and the other way around, if if you. If you're 25 and you're anti-racist and anti-homophobic and you say, pale, stale, right-wing male, oh, is that all of us? Is that me? Um, okay, mm. uh, that's that's interesting that everyone of that age group has the same political idea, because mm-hmm. um, we don't. Mm. Um, so it's just about... Well, it's, it speaks to your point from earlier about respect for those that have come before oh, and yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, it's the and, thing, like, the whole, the whole, you know, yes, I'm Gen X, so I get to sit in the middle in this current round and sit it out while, yep. you know, millennials and boomers yell oh, at yeah, each other. Yeah, oh, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. Like, but I just, the whole label thing, fuck yeah. that. I've, but, you know, we've all met amazing, inspiring boomers and we've all met shithead boomers. And, oh, absolutely. And, and the same with any other... Same with every group. Every yeah. group. So every what's group. the point in... Ab- yeah, absolutely. Totally. And the... Um, but what was interesting about talking to this guy, mm, I, mm. I realised I was regaling him with stories about life as a you know teenager in the 70s. And so mm. He said, was the generation gap worse or better than it is now? And I had to say, far, far worse. If you think mm. of um, me in the sixth form and my pea jacket and my jeans and my desert boots and my trying to long, dr- uh, grow my hair as mm. long as I could, mm. going on protest marches, listening to loud rock and roll, which I actually did some of the time, um, compared to guys in their RSA badges and jackets, yes. get a job, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, um, you, you know, so I can't. I, I think the intergenerational thing, which I sort of touch on in the surprise party mm-hmm. in a way, um, I, I think it's far better than it. Well, yeah, that's the, because we don't have the constant reminder now in front of us of people that fought in actual wars. Yeah, that's right. That's I died in the war for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah every right. every Anzac Day going yeah. on, and my mates that that you know that I used to have lunch with, and now that's I right. they're we dead. All get drunk and, and yeah, 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 yeah. And that's I'm you know I'm not saying that we shouldn't still respect that tradition, but yeah. 
because that's not as quiet as in people's faces that's right. as what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, when, yeah. when it was, you know, well, just slightly, just little nudges about the guy at work yeah. that's a boomer and the guy at work that's a millennial or something. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, so I, don't, I, I think, I mean, I grew up at a time of great intergenerational conflict. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, uh, my, my cousin, my cousin got arrested for possessing marijuana which today is like you know and, and I think 1970 and it was mm. a family mm. it was like someone had died it was mm. like someone had died in a road accident it was such it was talked about in hushed tones even in my liberal household mm. it was um, you know it was just considered such a, a, a social and evil so soon if Russell Brown gets his way you'll be arrested for not being in possession of it, <laughs> you know so yeah. how about that <laughs> Well, you see, this is what it's weird. I have no problems with the referendum, yeah, and uh, and so I'm not one of those, you know, boomers going on about, uh, you know, yeah. Well, Paula Bennett's younger than me, and she's, you know, she wants uh, so. so well, mind you, if you've played in a band, yes, um, I was just going to say you have a very liberal view on, on, yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. You're an, you're a creative, so yeah. you're a lifelong creative. So. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, and funnily enough, the whole time I was. Playing in bands, I, I had nothing to do. I just was not interested. Yeah. In, yeah. In the, in now, when did you work on Shortland Street? Was that very early in first year? Yeah. So I applied for to be in. I went to Australia for three weeks. I came back and they. I remember sitting on the plane, reading "You're Not in Guatemala Now," Doctor Opata, in a script, and getting off, and, and one of the other sort of auditionees said, "Did you read that Guatemala line?" I said, "I know." I wrote it. Uh, no, I no, didn't. No, 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 no we didn't write it. Imagine then, if you. <laughs> uh, and then later on, I said to the script editor, um, uh, "So tell me about that line." And he said, "Actually, it, the original line was you're not in Central America now, Doctor Ricardo.'" Yeah, Ricardo. right. And we thought we'd. We was, better pinpoint. It was a bad line. We should either tone it down or turn it up. So we changed Central America to Guatemala. I who, think that was the. Who wrote it? Who wrote um, the line? I'm not sure because know. it was edited and edited, yeah, but yeah. there was, I think, one of the early episode writers was a guy called Ken Catron, okay. who was a um, very good children's writer. Yeah, yeah. It could have been him, yeah. but I, I wouldn't yeah, stake my right. life on it. Okay. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And, and um, But anyway, I, I passed the audition, so I went and I... So I started, um, I started working on it in about April, and it was all six months ahead. So, mm. so the the... When it debuted, I think it debuted in March or April. That was those scripts have been written. Of six what, nineteen ninety or eighty nine? Ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah, yeah. And um, and look, it was a fantastic experience yeah. for a year. Yeah. It was really good to do for a year, and then that was enough. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. Um, but it was hard because I was commuting, so it was yeah, yeah. get up at at um, uh, go up on Sunday night, do Monday to Friday, get the Finish the deadline, um, and and then get on the plane and um, get home on Friday night. And so it was yeah. for a year that was hard. But yeah. we had a fabulous um, story to Rachel Lang, who went on to co-create Mm-mm. Outrageous Fortune. <laughs> what was great about Rachel is she just went, "It's got to be done by then." You know, Dave's got his plane to catch. Uh, we all want to get home, so we're going to finish it by then. And she taught me actually that, that this. I'm a genius. I've got to spend till Monday. Till Sunday yeah, night, no, finish it. No, yeah. get it done because yeah. that's what soap opera is like, and yeah. I actually really appreciated that because it is writing's a business. Sorry, that's terrible. Writing's a craft, and and yes, you can get your great inspiration and stuff, but it actually you've got to you've got to just treat it like it's it's a job. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know well, that's I mean? right. Yeah. Uh, David here, the, the playwright, he said 
the one thing that links all great writers and composers is that they all sit down every day for a number of hours and do it. Mm. Mozart, they don't. Mozart just got up and. and well, what's it. that famous? I always quote this. Lorne Michaels talking about SNL says. The show doesn't go on because it's ready. The show goes on because it's ten thirty. Yeah, that's you know? right. Absolutely, so that's, right. Their, that's their ultimate deadline and is ten thirty on a Saturday night. Yeah, they have to have something to put. And you, uh, you Bach has to write a cantata for, mm. for Friday morning, uh, mm. for Sunday morning. Yeah, and it's the third Sunday after Lent. It's going to be that one, and that's what we want. Twenty five minutes, and uh, and unless you're better than Bach, yeah, then you. And so I get up and I, I don't go. Oh, today's playwriting day. Uh, I don't feel like it. I'm going to write. You know, yeah. it's just what shit do I have to do today? Yeah, and I treat it, to- and it doesn't matter if it's if it's um, writing a column, if it's writing a label for a museum, which I still do. Yeah, or it's writing my wonderful play. It's all the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it to the best of my ability, and I'll 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 do it as fast as I can, which doesn't mean that I'll finish it quickly. Well, the worst thing you can do to a writer is say, "Just get that to me when you're ready." Right? Yeah, like yeah. The best thing, it, the no. best. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of imposed this deadline upon myself, but when I was doing the blog for stuff for nine years, I think eight and a half years, something like that, I just they kind of only wanted it two or three times a week, and yep. I decided I'm going to write one Monday to Friday, otherwise I won't do it. That's right. That's right. And yep. so I. And after a, a couple of days, the guy was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, if you want to do Monday to Friday, that's that's fine. And I just did it. Yeah. And it was great because it was like, that's yeah. the, that's something I know I've got to do every day. Yeah. And so right. some yeah. of them I hit it out of the park and other times it's like, oh, fuck, this is enough words, this will do. Uh, this do, do you know not, what's interesting you know? about that is that is that usually you don't know. No, totally. And if you well, gave in terms someone, of the response, yeah. ab- absolutely. If you gave so, someone to read it, they'd go, oh, he's... Spe-. I mean, people have done uh, that. They've totally. Said, you must have spent hours on this. And I go... Yeah, oh. totally. And then other ones, they go, well, it's a bit yeah. rushed. And I go, oh. No, no, and yeah, no, absolutely. It's about nine, nine times out of ten, the ones that got the hundreds of comments and um, shared around and talked about were the throwaway ideas yeah. that yeah. were just spat out. Yeah. And the ones that I might clip and put in a CV because I think they're actually good examples of writing, I'd have to put a soundtrack of fucking crickets around them, you know, to, right. to tell the real story. And uh, yeah, in some right. cases, they took a couple of hours or yeah. more. Yeah, 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 yeah no, right. I, I totally. I, totally. And sometimes even, yeah, this idea that if you're in a rarefied... And, I mean, writers are really good at saying, oh, the conditions aren't right. I can't mm, write mm. today because I'm talking to Simon Sweetman. Or mm. I, I can't write that today because That tends to be the case for yeah. a lot of people. You it, it, it's I, fucked them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I can't example. talk today because I'm writing. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I've, uh, it's windy. You, yeah, know, yeah. you just have to do it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, um, no, I, I to- it's very unglamorous, but it's actually true. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. You, you crank it out. And sometimes, yeah, the times I've really gone, this is terrible, has, it's actually been quite good. And the dangers is when you think it's really good. When are the times that you've sort of... Sh- how, when was the last time you kind of shit the bed and went, fuck, why am I doing this? Because you're in a pretty secure position in terms of... Oh, not really. No, I don't... Yeah. You know, I just mean in terms of you're established. Yeah. you still got to do the work. Yeah. But you're secure in the fact that you're established and you've got things that you do. Yeah. So, yeah. but, you know, I don't... I'm not trying to get you to talk about, uh, you know, Bones of the Arse versus that was a great year of pay. I just mean, like, you know, when did this, is the struggle still there? Oh, yeah, I struggle. Okay, so, yes, because um, uh, 
in terms of being a freelance writer, it's mm. always cash flow. Mm. Uh, there's always a struggle economically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my wife's a freelancer too. Yeah. So we, the two of us are always going, oh, invoice that. And, you know, and it's hard. Mm. If, if, if we had um, jobs that paid a salary, uh, we'd be better off. But mm. the, that's the bad side. The good side is I love doing what, what you're doing. I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if we can make it work and we do most of the time, mm. um, then, then that's okay. Mm. So, but it's not, it's not a, a key to wealth and prosperity. No, 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 no. I mean, you. But you nor do I expect it to be. No, and but, you don't yeah. need to tell me that. Uh, no, that's right. Because I that's know right. that. Yeah. But, but I'm just interested in the whole like. Have there been times where you've really seriously gone fuck? I actually need to chuck the towel in on this bullshit. And so, sometimes get the salary. I've, yeah, no, that's good. Sometimes I've said maybe I need to work. Yeah. In a job for a year. Yeah. That's I have done that. I um. Uh, and it's it's never happened. Right. But, I, I mean, I worked at Te Papa yeah. um, as a half-time permanent writer. Yeah. But in the end, I just had too much freelance stuff. So um, at, at the moment, I'm very busy. Um, so that's fine. February, March, I might not be. Yeah. So yeah, I'll yeah. reassess it. And I, who knows? You know, uh, um, it, it, it might be that I get to March and I go, oh, let's do a six-month, try mm. and do a six-month contract somewhere full-time. So I don't, I don't think... I'm a great believer in honest toil. Mm, mm. So if I worked, say, in a, a government department or a, doing comms or something, that's not the enemy mm. because I'd I'd learn stuff. Mm, I'd, yeah, I'd enjoy, totally. You know, I'd, I'd, and so I I never mind. Oh, when you've done when you've defined yourself and other people have defined you as a writer, there's really no wrong job you can go off and do. If, yeah, if you can yeah. find access back to your writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So so. Yeah. Um, oh no, I, I I'm aware of that sort of, um, and the, but the tenuousness does actually make life interesting. And, yeah. And um, I also, you know, the newspaper industry is not in a great financial mm. position. Mm. TV, no one's making it in Wellington much. Mm. There is. I, mm. We've got a show at the moment um, uh, in Wellington. So I have that thing. Every column is my last. Mm. Um, every job well, is that's it with, and that's it with freelance newspaper yep. jobs isn't it you don't know when no. you're going to get the call and and I remember working um, in an institution uh, that I can't name which is on the Wellington <laughs> waterfront and, and uh, has objects in Taonga mm. that it displays to the uh, to the country and it's free to get in but mm. I can't name it um, and a lot of people there were worried about sort of losing their jobs with, with good reason because mm, mm, mm. they've gone through many restructures it'd be mm. so nice if I could name it and um, I just didn't give a shit mm. and I just would make jokes about the chief executive I, I would just <laughs> like fly on the seat of my pants and yeah. I'd be rude um, we never had any bloody stationery so one time I ordered a million paper clips they said you know we, if you want paper clips how many do you want and I just put a million and then the boss who was lovely came and she said to me who ordered a million paper clips? <laughs> I said, well, we don't have any. And it was so much fun being in an organisation and not worrying about your future. Mm. Now, if I'd been salaried and had, a, you know, kids at home and a mortgage, mm. I, I wouldn't see the funny side of that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's really good being that. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still the cheeky kid who edited the school magazine and had cartoons mm. about the principal. You know, that, I'm still that person. Um, but it's just I'm I'm on a more serious yeah. well, what is seen as a more serious but I'm still making stupid jokes you know as a columnist what I do is make stupid jokes about the buses and about mm, the city mm, council and mm. let's get Wellington moving and 
I write plays that take the piss out of the political system and the foibles of human nature. And I've, you could argue I've been doing that since I was 13. Um, I, I, I found a thing I wrote at high school that was in the school magazine, and it's called How We Got the Town Built. And it's written like a Greek legend. Mm. And I literally say suburbia, the daughter of suburban neurosis, um, who, who uh, was dedicated to make sure that the God that made sure that Wellington City Council buses never ran on time. <laughs> you know, so, so we're talking over 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Armstrong's been banging on about bloody buses and stuff. So, so I mean, it's, it's that thing of I'm, uh, I'm not... So, so if tomorrow it all stopped, that's fine, because I'm still that cheeky guy that, you know... Now, as a writer across a few different platforms and disciplines... What's the hidden side of your writing? Are you a closet poet or a wishful short story writer oh, that I've, hasn't? I've, I mean, that hasn't published. Or yeah, I've I've written a novel, finished. Yeah, right. It hasn't been published. And it sits lo- in the drawer. I'd love it. Well, no, yeah. it's with a publisher at the moment. Right. Okay. But I don't know if it's going to get done, and I'd love mm. it to be done because I think it's it's called the Speechwriter, and um, a bit of it got um, a bit of it got. Uh, Done in the six pack that you oh, chat yeah. yeah, and it, it, it's a it's a fun story. It's a, a left wing um, failing school teacher becomes part of a right wing government, and mm. he writes speeches for um, Norman Kinghorn, who's a right wing national prime minister, and he he's this lefty liberal, and he's incredibly good at writing terrible mm. right wing speeches. Mm. And he, how many days did you interview David Slack for this? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, it's got nothing to do with David. I've never met David. I've only we know we sort of correspond, correspond on bit, Twitter, yeah, but I've yeah. never. But um, no, neither. He's fantastic. No, though. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know. Yeah. Oh, I love his stuff. Yeah. But um, and and this guy finds himself in a think tank of um, experts, and their job yeah. is to make um, this terrible right wing government that he hates so much um, more uh, more popular. And he comes up with the TV campaign, um, Foreign Debt, the Worst Form of Child Abuse. <laughs> and it's all successful. Yeah. Um, and, and then he has a dilemma, you know, and, and so now, things happen. Did you read any of the, read and enjoy any of the Bob Jones novels? I've never read... Have you not read them? Um, I've like read the it, Permit and I'm, stuff like that? No. Because no. what you're describing sounds a little bit like oh, okay. some of his... Because oh. I, you know, saying you like a Bob Jones novel is a bit like saying you still watch Woody Allen films. You know, yeah, like yeah. people just... You can hear the needle scratch Oh, yeah, off. no, no, no. But I grew yeah. up, what you yeah. know, enjoying Bob yeah. Jones's writing. So did I. And people, I read yeah. quite a few of the novels, yeah. and, and I think The Permit is fantastic. Yeah. I haven't little. read his novels, uh, I, but I did used to read stuff, and I loved... Yeah. Um, I loved... Oh, he's gone now, like, in terms of what he does, you know. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, I, yeah. I tried to, a couple of years ago, I tried to read the book that was put together of his, yeah. I guess, Herald columns yeah. from sort of 2014, 15, and it was just like yeah. being, you know, you know, lightly punched in the face by oh, yeah. a, and, a, a, and an, old, an old angry man. Yeah, and, and he's just, out of his... Yeah, yeah. he's, he's, he's just out that, of the... He's become... A, a mate of mine tapped me on the shoulder and he says, Dave, if I... This is about 10 years ago. Mm. If I ever become a bitter man working in television, you will tell me, won't you? You know, mm. a bitter nasty. Comparing how many million one person got to another. Mm. And and it's like, you know, Simon, if I'm ever if I ever rave like that, yeah. uh, please tap me on yeah, the shoulder. Yeah. I, I wrote a thing this the where I got the quote that Bob yeah. bestowed on me, um was I sort of wrote a takedown of his Maori satire oh, yeah. Maori da- Maori appreciation. Yeah, yeah. And the the newspaper rang me up and said, Could you do could you 
what do you think? Is it satire? And, and I said, well, okay. And they said, could you go through it and tell us if it's satire? That's right. And it, it was satire. Yes. It was just really bad satire yeah, because yeah, it yeah. was doing all the it's things. It's a bit that, like you know, the Tremaine cartoon yeah. in, to, in, in the sense of you saying, you know, it actually wasn't funny. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah. and, and if it had been funny, I would yes. have gone, and calling Graham Lee a condom on the penis of progress yeah. back in, the, Graham Lee the moralist yeah. back in the 70s or 80s was fantastic. So he... He was capable of being um, a really good writer. Mm. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's hard. And, you know, what a wimp um, suing people for yeah. defamation. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't... That's just dick-swinging nonsense. Well, it's what the rich and powerful That's what do. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and so it's hard to respect someone. But yeah. um, look, at the same time, so many people love us novels yeah, I, yeah. I should go back to them the, uh, Christ, i haven't even finished even reading the, lloyd jones yet, yeah. so i can't get started on bob no 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 if you're gonna if you're gonna dedicate what's left of your clock to one of the joneses make it lloyd no i know. don't i don't agree <laughs> i think i'll i think i have a quote i'll do one lloyd do, yeah i like mr pitt but i haven't yes. read anything else of lloyd but i want to read i will read one lloyd then one bob and I'm see interested. how long I can I'm do. I'm the same, actually. The only book of his I've read is Mr. Pip, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I yeah. absolutely fucking loathed the movie. It was yeah, embarrassing. I, was I couldn't movie, finish yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I have, I've got quite a few of his books that I've meant to read, yeah. and I haven't ever got to them. Yeah. And I've read heaps of Bob Jones books. And <laughs> don't know how this, it's just because they were like always in second-hand stores for fuck all. Right, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And, and I think we must have had a couple on the shelf, like the, the early columns... And letters and stuff, and they were, yeah. they were fucking funny. Oh, like, some of his stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, absolutely. When he was a columnist in the eighties, yeah. he was fucking yeah. good. Yeah, like, that was yeah. really funny stuff. No, no, I mean it's true. It's it's that whole thing of, yeah. of some people. Um, yeah, and, and I mean not everyone who gets older gets worse. Some people no, get no, better. No, no. Uh, and well, some, Norman Lear is pretty amazing. I yeah. don't know if he's he's obviously not writing to the level that he was no, when but he still, but yeah. fuck the fact that he's still yeah. as engaged with the culture yeah. as he is. And and with actors, often yeah. actors get better yeah. and better. I'm, yeah. I'm loving. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Douglas. Oh um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The something Mikowski around Mikowski lessons yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. remember what it's called. Yeah. The Kaminsky method. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Loving that. And the Alan Arkin. Oh, he's incredible. He's so good. Yeah, I'm more into it. I've only watched a couple of episodes of that, but I was more into it for him. And where would English films, where would English art house movies be if you didn't have Dame Judi Dench, you know, and the others? It's just incredible. Maggie Smith, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you're hoping the novel will get... Yeah, it's still there. It's still you know, there. It's there. Yeah. It's ready to, ready to go. If it gets knocked down, do you self-publish it in this day and oh, age? Oh, I haven't even gone there. Yeah. Haven't even so gone maybe. there. So maybe. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. yeah cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, plenty, to, plenty to busy yourself with until early next year and then see what happens. Yeah. Is that basically a, a it? A few plays on the go. Yeah. Uh, on the go and a bit of TV. So What yeah. do you look for in a play when you're producing, you know, when you're not writing it? What do you... Oh, hoping well, to help put out into the world. I'm producing a play. My wife and I are producing uh, Armstrong Creative. Mm, that is mm. um, a play called Wonderful by Dean Parker mm-hmm. um, about a Catholic priest in um, Napier in 1958, and it's just a beautiful love story. Mm. Basically, it's fantastic. So um, I want a play that moves me, and that one mm. that one moved me. I just went wow. Mm. Um, it's really good, and so. Um, we've mainly produced plays I've written, not because we don't think there's other good plays out mm. there. It's just we've we've it, it's sort of what we've been interested mm, in. Mm. Um, 
but Caroline periodically says, God, it's nice working on something that you didn't write. And, and she's right. <laughs> and I like writing, I like working on something I didn't write. Is she and, your best best critic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and she proofs a very good... Um, editor and proofer and Editor stuff. and proofer, but not more than that. Like, like uh, uh, not only does she proofread everything, she is the person that goes, Dave, do you really want to sound like a yeah. bitter 50-year-old? doing that well that's what I mean and, by best critic that's, yeah that, she's a really good that. she's really good yeah. or, or the play, don't put this out into the world yeah, not, like, come not on. like this not another old yeah. man railing against <laughs> this or you know and, and sometimes you've done this sometimes it's just ignorance yeah yeah um, yeah or didn't you tell that joke three weeks ago yeah. um, and in plays you know uh, yes but it got a big laugh the first so done it again yeah yeah um <laughs> read the entire first half of a play and she said yeah I laughed once and you know it's a comedy <laughs> so it's good having a hard critic yeah but yeah. she's not I mean she's a kind critic too yeah yeah very yeah. and she works in the business yeah, yeah she used yeah. to be marketing manager and does a lot yeah. of so I so, know oh, we we confide in each other we you know we when we work together um if she has to send an email that's tricky or something she'll mm. send it to me I'll, mm. I'll edit it or say to her yeah do that we we collaborate a lot and it's really good mm. and she's um a very smart um, reader. She's also funny and um, a, makes me laugh. Um, so I know of stuff with humour if it's hmm. if it's in the zone. And, and in fact, um, she's not an easy audience, but but if you get the right spot, she, she laughs uncontrollably. You mm, know. So, mm. so I find that really really good. But um, enormous sensitivity and caution. Um, and as she you know she says. It's my house too if we lose it because we're paying bills, you know, for defamation <laughs> mm, and stuff. Mm. So she's very good at, at being cautious. And But it's not so much the legal stuff because I'm getting around that. It's just the tone. You know, I, I don't, um, even though I I rip into local body politicians and stuff, I don't, I actually do look at things and go play, you know, play the person, not the ball. Mm-mm. Sorry, play the ball, not the person. Don't Mm-mm. don't have a go at someone because they're who they are. Mm. Have a go at their what they're doing. Mm. And I still believe in that. Um, but it's, again, that's another thing that people are very slippery with their understanding of that, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote a review of a guy's a local musician's album that I thought was horrible. Yeah. And I explained why I thought it was horrible. And it so happened that, Basically, members of his family were involved in the album, and so I just named them in, yeah. in brackets on yeah. the instruments they were. And his giant complaint to me was that I had abused his entire family. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. I've sort of said you're shit musicians. I don't, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. I haven't said that you, you know, fuck goats and <laughs> and right. and you know, slaughter the neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, you know. It's, yeah. So that gets quite slippery as soon as it, you say someone's be yeah. because people are defining themselves by their role a lot. You know, if you say someone's no good at their role, that leads very quickly to you've offended me, you've yeah. insulted me, you've yeah. you've personally attacked me, and it's like, hang on, yeah. I'm criticizing the role that you're playing, yeah. which is as a shitty musician. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and by all means, call me a shitty critic, but yeah. don't call me like, uh, you know, a person that's out. For your blood, because I'm not. And my, my criticism, actually, of the political scene in New Zealand is our, our journalists are often too close, mm, so mm, they're mates, mm. and so they can't. And, and I well, to, this is the case with New Zealand. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I used to joke. People would say, expecting a real negative reaction, that that they that say, "What do you on radio and stuff? What do you think of 
Simon Bridges, and I, and, I, and, and I'd say, I cannot say a word against Simon Bridges because he wrote a very nice review of my play once. So it's, it's actually true. <laughs> it was in Tauranga. And yeah. he, he, but, but even, you know, Simon's politics that I mm. find in some ways reprehensible, especially mm. this whole mm. anti-gang prison mm. sentence mm. thing. But again, that's the policy. I'm not going to... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to... And, and when I met him, he was actually very pleasant. And so yeah, sure. I'm going to... Uh, uh, it's amazing, though. Like I've, yeah. I've had people horrified that I talked to Sean Plunkett on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I loved the experience. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd never met him. I had a really good chat to him. He said some interesting things because he's done some interesting... You know, oh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's very good at his job for yeah. a long time. Yeah. He basically admitted that his job's changed and he's a bit of a muckraker. Yeah. But I've had people actually message me and go, I'm not fucking listening to that. And I'm like, okay, you didn't need to tell me you're not doing that. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, that's look, also yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's the same thing. The yeah. People exist. Yeah. You can't pretend they don't exist. You and, can't. Me, and me having him on the show to talk to him isn't me going, yeah, yeah, this yeah. guy's misunderstood. I yeah, really yeah. I really rate him. I, I'm, it, I, I think the same way as him. <laughs> it's none yeah. of that. Well, I, I went through that experience with Bulger. Um, yeah. I got. I was a good mate of Justin Dufresne, yeah. who, who was not yeah. like Sean really. And, no. But but I got to know. I was on radio with Sean mm. a lot mm. uh, when he was News Talk ZB, and I got to know Justin. And and um, and I don't think Justin didn't say much about politics, but I, I mm. suspect our politics were quite different. And then um, through through uh, Justin, I did a few fundraisers and stuff with Bulger, and he was great and really interesting guy, but a guy that's. Now eighty, or in his eighties, and mm. has been in politics for fifty years. How can you not find him an interesting mm. person? That's right. And so it doesn't. And I, I interviewed him and Jim Anderson actually at a thing in mm. at Downstage, and it was one of the most fascinating things. Uh, and what was great about, and, and I think this does resonate in my playwriting. I think mm. I'm always mm. looking at those sort of guys. Mm. I, I said to Bolger. Um, I talk, we were talking about pers- exactly what we're talking about now, personal nastiness and mm. people that, that, that fall out. Mm. And I said, both of you have fallen out. Anderson fell out with, with Helen, mm. and Helen Clark, and you fell out with Winston Peters. And I said, how did, you, you know, how did it get back again? Because there was real hatred. Mm. And Bold just said, oh, I, I did the maths. I, I worked out that if, if Winston, you know, if New Zealand first... Uh, got over 5%, we would need them. Mm. And I, I thought it was ridiculous. that Our policies were very similar, so I thought it was ridiculous. He said, so I picked up the phone and said, Winston, we need to talk. <laughs> and he said it in a way that was entirely mm. convincing. He mm. later said, David, the whole problem with this election is people like you. You know, And he was he was quite critical of <laughs> yeah. me as a journalist. And, yeah. and he, 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 you know, I said some lefty thing, and he, ah, that's rubbish, you know. And he didn't, he didn't sort of uh, change what he was saying to, to fit me, but that mm. was really... And then Anderson said, oh, yeah, Helen and I really fell out. And he said, we, we realised, we both realised it was futile to be fighting when we were on the same side. But he said the relationship was never mended personally. It just became business. Mm-hmm. So we just, we, we were very polite to each other, but we were never friends again. And I, mm-hmm. I found that mm-hmm. as a political animal that was mildly interesting. As a playwright, it was absolutely fascinating and heartbreaking that these things happen and people... Mm. And so you're, you're exactly... You're talking about the people that you think... Are, and I've had this too. Mm. quite like them. Mm. And you ask... You know, you deign to ask Sean Plunkett a question and suddenly you're, you're 
persona non grata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get the offensive email. And, yes. And so they're being actually more offensive to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, than than people you disagree with politically. Yeah. And that yeah. That, that yeah that's I that's sort of my experience too. Yeah. Um, you can uh, like I said before, you, you you offend the Christians or the moralists or the or the right wingers, and you get a um, polite email. Yeah, you affect one of your own. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because totally. it's what's the worst thing? The worst human fault is betrayal. Yeah, so I was just going to say, so we yeah. So someone who's on my side and mm-hmm. then changes is mm. far worse than someone that was never on my yeah, side. Yeah, that's right. I was never going to ter- yeah. convince them, yeah. but he, today yeah. I lost a brother. <laughs> you know, so, I lost numbers. You know, yeah. I, I big time. So the ex partner is the hated person. Yes. you know, yes. it's not the it's not the dick at the bar that. that yeah. Uh, that says, oh, hello, darling. You know, it's, it's yeah, yeah. the person that, that you trusted. Yes. Yeah, they, I, so I think that's it's a very human thing. And, and the sense of betrayal mm. that in politics we feel mm. um, is immense. Yeah, and it, well, it's the same, you know. I, I, that's been my experience with writing about music, you know. I, that's why I never for a long time went out of my way to meet local musicians and stuff because next thing it's like oh hey it was cool to meet you my new album's coming out next month can you say something about it yeah I'll listen to it and then I'd say what I'm going to say about it is fucking horrible yeah, well yeah. I wouldn't say that to them I'd just print it yeah, and yeah. then you just get this angry yeah yeah, yeah. you know and it yeah. still kind of happens that you yeah. get the the trail is very obvious it's very overt you get the random friend request yeah <laughs> then you get the message saying yeah. really loved your chat with such and such or li- enjoyed this piece of work you did oh cool thanks I've got an album coming yeah. out next, <laughs> next, next month you might like to have a listen to it oh yeah okay yeah. Here, just if you happen to here's the full press release and the headshot yeah. and yeah. you know yeah. and then it's like just and then you get the prompt email did you get that yeah yeah I did yeah you know just yeah. let me know because we're going on tour like if you are going to write something we might be able to include a, a press yeah clip it's and then you write the thing, and yeah. there's no way they're going to include a press no, no, clip from that. Right. But they're going to next thing you're unfriended, or yeah. and it's fine. That's just the roles. But there's this pantomime happening around yeah. it that doesn't yeah. need to happen. But yeah. no one's got the confidence to be no. honest. That's right. That's with right. It, with the approach, hey man, I don't know you. I don't know if you like this or not. Here's my album. Say what you like about it. Yeah. That requires major, you know, confidence in your own ability. Well, I but think. that's uh, you know that's my. Uh, well, uh, it's just my modus operandi. Never, never get embroiled yeah. in, in an argument. Well, that's about, it. And uh, now, about, don't you know, no, yeah. totally. And now, you know, now they don't need me or any reviewers. No, is, right. is the better move? Like, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to leave that there and make it sound like I'm some powerful gatekeeper. I no, never, you're I, not. I never was. And that's the wonderful. I thing never about, was. The wonderful thing about online stuff. Yeah. Is that no one is. No, and, that's and right. We talking about theatre, there was a time in Wellington, perhaps yeah. in the 70s and 80s, where. Oh, I bet. There were maybe three or four critics that had enormous sway. Sway, yeah. And no one does now. No. And so uh, you do a play at, at um, Circus, say, yeah. that gets an older boomer audience or old, yeah. and older than that. Yeah. Um, and it, it sells out. And you'll read a review in a, in a blog um, that's read by 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds yeah. and, and they'll go, oh, it was irrelevant or yeah. it wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't waste your money. And that's fine. Yeah. And the other way around, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, there'll be something um, on at bats that someone will swear by and it won't really... And yeah, what yeah. is dangerous is when you've only got a few people um, yeah. doing it. And, yeah, if, yeah. and the good thing about the, the 
explosion of media yeah is that you can you can graze yeah you find what that you find the things that you want to consume and that you want to you know trust on yeah. whatever level yeah and and you can dig wider than yeah. you ever could and i think yeah. that's that's fantastic and yeah. um I, and i would hate i you know the the the, the less power critics have the more fun it is for the critics and the, the more meaningful yes. they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because no, I they're not... Because uh, I, I remember critics saying, I know that if I diss it, it might mean eight people don't eat for you know for four weeks because their play doesn't make any money. Well, what a terrible responsibility to put on someone. Yeah, and they shouldn't... Yeah, that's right. They shouldn't yeah. be shouldering that. Because no. they can't do their no. job properly once they have understanding yeah. of... Yeah. And I've, I've had criticisms of my work um, where I've gone... Wow, good point. I'm going to change that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah that, it does happen. That, that's, that's right. Fine. But at the same time, I've had the same thing in every play. Put, I've been pulled up by a critic, and yet I've looked at the audiences and going, "I ain't taken out that line. It's it's mm, great." Mm, so, mm. so there's also that, you know. That. Yeah, that's right. Because there's and and I think that's especially true with things like playwriting is you know there's layering of jokes. So like there's the big dumb obvious joke. It needs to be there sometimes oh yeah to, well same with skits you know yeah. skit things and it's like then the slightly sharper joke goes on top of that yeah and you know and then the really good one that's got some reference that maybe not everyone in the audience picks up on yeah that's but true. that's a huge big yeah sandwich for some people yeah or they, you know, there are bits of that meal that people picked out and enjoyed, or whatever. I don't know quite where I'm going with that metaphor, but yeah, like that—that's the thing. It can't, they can't all be zingers as well. No, no, like, no. You no. know, so like sometimes the big dumb obvious joke gets you yeah. to the sharper moment. That's right. And, and if you didn't have that, the sharper moment wouldn't be sharp. It, it's a thing I learned from, funnily enough, Anna McPhail, David McPhail's mm, daughter. Mm. She, I wrote a children's play, and she said, "Where's the chase?" And I said, "What do you mean?" Mm. And she's got to have a chase, and we put in a chase, and it was the head of the show. Mm. And here I am writing a serious party, play now, well, a serious comedy. Yeah. And it's not a chase, but it's sort of, it draws on that mm, thing mm. of someone going out, coming back, because they need to stop them doing something, and it's funny. So yeah. we can get a bit up. Yeah, there are hit points yeah. for a reason. We can yeah. get a bit up ourselves, and we can say, and, and of course critics do it. And I remember one time a critic um, wrote something critical about a line in the play, and then came back to the player ages later because it was doing a return season and saying, you didn't take the line out that I didn't like. <laughs> no, God. that's right. Far that's out. right. I, I wonder if I can guess who that was. No idea. Uh, no idea. No <laughs> far idea. out. Yeah. Oh, man. She been... died some years ago. <laughs> okay. We've, um, we've, it's been nice to have this chat because we only met uh, just briefly yeah. recently and but I had always wanted to talk to you but for some reason... I did. I kind of felt like I needed to say hello to you first before I invited. I don't know why. I don't. Some people, you know, I'd never met Sean Plunkett, but I guess I had talked to him on the radio. And I hadn't seen your ten emails going. Hi, I've got a play coming up. Maybe you could just. You know, no, you didn't. You've, no. only, you've never. You've never wanted me at your plays, and you really want me at this one because I got. Oh, an email I invited about, you to the last you, one. I think. Did you? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I yeah. That's invited. probably why I got yeah. there. Yeah, oh, no, no. Look, I, and and you know, I, I, like I say, I uh, water off a duck's back, mm, mm. and and when. Playwrights say, oh, I never read reviews. They're usually lying. I, oh, anyone who says that. I, I definitely read yeah, reviews. Totally. I don't get upset. You don't need to no. process them or no, take to agree with from them. them. No. But I always say this to people now too. Uh, you know, In this day and age, you can't escape reviews because you might yeah. not be interested in what I think about your play, but someone's going to fucking send it to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. out there doing the work for everyone. And, and, and beware, so, Bob Jones 
thought he was dissing me. <laughs> Pop boiler playwright, yeah. shallow lefty. Well, I can't even remember what it was. And and I've used it. So it might be. Yeah. This is, you know, the worst play I've ever seen. Simon Sweetman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Perfect. So you, yeah. You there you go. You don't get off just by by uh, not liking it. <laughs> <laughs> Desert, you can't remember your name.